Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. 2,000 years ago, his words came to pass. AD 70, Jerusalem surrounded by armies. The temple destroyed. Sacrifices ceased. The end of the age. So where are we at on the prophetic timeline of history? Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, and that we have been made kings and priests to reign here on earth. The The Revelation Revelation Red Red Pill, the the kingdom kingdom of God God is is now. For For yours is the kingdom, the the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Welcome back to Revelation Red Pill Wednesday. What's going on? What's going down? What's shaking? Camera today. Happy New Year. There we go. Michelle, do you have any New Year's uh, resolutions you'd like to share with the class? Yeah, I'm going to lose 25 pounds. Why? And I'm going to get muscles back in my arms again. This is all a joke. I don't Mm -hmm. work out. If I work out, I'm working outside. I work outside. Outside. Yep. Um. Do you a resolution? Love more. Mm, good. I like Serve that. Serve God better. Don't accuse your sister of stealing the mouse. Leah. Michelle. Leah. We have three mices and they're all the same color. <laughs> and Leah took mine. And it didn't. Yes. Where you did it end up? Did. Down there. Right now, down there. I'm, we need to do an audio check. Check your check your mic mic one, just, two. Everybody here is now really. Let clear. me break your dicky down for you. Are we are we here with us tonight? I think we're good. I think they're, so. I, you know, uh, Corey and Jason they did are a back. Kingdom Roundtable on Monday. Kingdom Roundtable is back, and the DC track is jacked on the comprehension. I believe that I failed to mention that Corey is in the United States, and he's in Missouri now, and he needs some ice skates because he's not raising his cows down what? in Nicaragua. He's cold. He's cold. He's working on it. Yeah, it's. Cold. You say that? Yeah. It's cold. His, his wife and, and son are like it, it. They came from a climate it's like eighty degrees. Yeah, and now they're. It's cold. It's cold. You got, but you have to know that when you're coming to. The no, they know it, but their body has to adjust to it. That's what they're talking about. Okay. Because he said that when he was down in Nicaragua, when he when he moved there, he sweat for a year, like super sweat, <laughs> doing anything. That happened to us when we moved to Oklahoma. It was awful, and I we you do acclimate, but that first um, that first summer, I thought I had. I, I was living in hell, Hades, hell. It was, it was hot. so hot. But then, actually, you do your body does acclimate. I got kind of used to it. It was not fun, but so tonight yeah. we have a super special. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, super, Revelation Red Pill. It's super special. I think Let me ask you this, Leah. Let me legitimately because I have been um, hounded, hounded by my mom. Ain't nothing but a hound dog. Hounding all the time. No, yeah. No. What has she been hounded on to watch this uh, documentary? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really good. And one. I keep meaning to, and I haven't had time. And then you watched it. Three times. The whole thing? Uh, the whole thing once, and then parts of it three, two, 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 yeah, two or three times. Three times, yeah. And then you came and told me about it. Yeah. And I'm super excited about it. But my question is, mm-hmm. we're doing it on Revelation Red Pill Wednesday. Yeah. Is it is it going to relate to if, the coming of the eternal coming of Jesus Christ? It's kingdom, yeah. Well, it's one of or those is this things. Just an expose. No, what you're, what we're going to see tonight is everything that we've been covering uh, in in American history, from Margaret Sanger to eugenics to um, what the episode we did on Rockefeller and Carnegie and and I don't know, Ford wasn't quite in that Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. 
we learned about a guy named Williams Jennings Bryant. Yes, we did. And we learned that Rockefeller, Carnegie, and Vanderbilt were arch enemies, taking um, taking each other down, taking each other out. Yep. Okay. But they got together. Mm-hmm. Was it Vanderbilt? It was Carnegie, Rockefeller, and Morgan. Sorry, forget me. Vanderbilt was out of the picture at that point. So J.P. Morgan, the bankster. Yep. Carnegie, the steel guy. And what about Morris? Morris? Wasn't there a Morris in there somewhere? I don't There, There was. that yeah. uh, Morris was a railroad guy with Vanderbilt, I believe. Um, but they were out of the picture at this time. Okay. Their, their earlier time. Well, they were basically... If you go back and you have... This, this episode is not going to make sense unless you have watched... The episode yes, we did well as much sense as much sense. Okay, so it's not honestly prerequisite if you want to get as much out of this episode as you can. Yes, go bo- go back and watch the episode about Rockefeller, Carnegie, and J.P. Morgan and Vanderbilt. Okay, because these were the men in the late 1800s that were causing the problem that we're mm-hmm. going to discuss right in this show. So this is like. Um, 102, and that was 101, American history of the late uh, mid, mid-1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s. And that does play into the Revelation Red Pill. So what you had in the 1800s is you had um, bankers who were manipulating war, specifically in the, Revol- in the Amer- uh, American Civil War, you had bankers who were funding both sides, mm-hmm. war is profitable. Uh, you had Vanderbilt particularly happy that the war was happening. He was a psychopath. Yeah. Psychopaths uh, enjoy making money off of the death and suffering of other people. Right. Okay. So Vanderbilt, the railroads, this is why when we talk about electricity or horses for transportation or all these different things, um, you know, I've heard, I've heard the argument said that some things good can happen out of bad things like the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And right. the Roman roads were built. I had a discussion with um, Matt Thayer on this. However, we're a Christian nation. We are. And Michelle, if you do something evil, I'm not going to say that God is using that and going to turn it around for good. Just because like, I'm a part of the Christian nation, you mean? No, just... So we're using technology now. We are. This technology, all of the petroleum... All of the transportation is rooted in Satanism and witchcraft. Yes. So throughout history, God has been able to use bad things, turn around like the Roman Empire. Jesus came alive in the Roman Empire and the Roman road allowed Paul and the disciples to disseminate the gospel. Yes. Okay. But we're not talking about a pagan society. We're talking about a Christian society that went crazy. So when I go back to the underlying Things I'm not going to say, you know, Margaret Sanger came up with with birth control and she's evil and satanic and her reasonings were evil and satanic, but it's good. Okay. Can't do that. Right. And I can't I can't do that with the railroads either. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Because Vanderbilt, the way that they built those railroads, they were actually individual railroads. Did you know this? They were like guys that were just laying their own lines. Vanderbilt cornered the market made everybody else go out of business, okay? It's called a monopoly. And then he used eminent domain and stole property. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that that was God. Nope. But God can use it, but God didn't need to use it. Come on. And that's the difference. That is what the Revelation Red Pill is all about. The Revelation Red Pill is not solely about 
trying to stop people from believing it's the end times. The Revelation red pill Although is about do, stop it. manifesting the kingdom of God on earth. And I saw an amazing clip that mom played with Johnny Enlow on Elijah mm-hmm. uh, reports or Elijah streams where he said, God is going to redeem this planet. Come on. This, the heaven and earth that we're passing away were the temple. Mm-hmm. And if that is the underlying position of our position, okay, that when everything that the, 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 the apostles were pointing to, the end of the age that was getting ready to happen, near at hand, at the door, uh, within this generation, all of that, the, the culmination was in AD 70, and then the kingdom age begins, mm-hmm. okay? There, you're in this, this, this quantum kind of flux, basically, between, and, you know, I'm not into quantum stuff, but it, it is a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's an age it's a spiritual age flux that we're in a spiritual level and we're going from the the jewish age Mm -hmm. the hebrew age Mm -hmm. the 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 temple age to the kingdom age there's nothing in between those two that's good there's no church age and kingdom age Mm -hmm. the church age is the kingdom age come on they're inseparable right okay so you don't go from the church age to the kingdom age you the, the church age is the kingdom age and so we've they've been manifesting the kingdom ever since so anybody who says we're not manifesting the kingdom doesn't get god doesn't understand him or and, they aren't actually manifesting the kingdom in their life right so i got a revelation and this blew my mind because i know my mom keeps saying horses for transportation and i tell you it hasn't clicked and this maybe this will click for you horses are god's transportation what did God use to come get Elijah? Horses and a chariot. Chariots. What does Jesus come riding on it? A white horse. A white horse. So I could do this all day. You got to know. He- <laughs> no. Heaven is a reflect. Heaven. Earth is a reflection of heaven. And we said we were supposed to say one prayer. May your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. And I hope I don't. Um, I'm not throwing off anybody who would come just for the Wizard of Oz explanation. No, they would be patient. Okay. Because if, you know, maybe you're not super spiritual, maybe you just want to hear, wait a minute, what is this monetary policy with the Wizard of Oz? We're going to get to it. Okay, so I'm laying laying a frown. If you don't know, we do a a show on Wednesdays called the Revelation Red Pill where we're not saying we're in the end times. Okay, and we are living out the kingdom of God on earth. And so Michelle always wants to make sure that Wednesdays is in line with that. Here's the thing. You know, here's the good news. Everything is. It, It absolutely is. Because we are advancing the kingdom of God and we are bringing the kingdom of heaven down here to earth currently actively it's happening exactly so a lot of people are you know i I have people on both sides of the aisle i know with scott kesterson he went like super spiritual and lost a lot of his audience we we try to bring some some that's some of the audience it hurt it hurt enough enough to hurt like a pound of flesh yeah so they're going to come back don't worry about it but i know that i lose people when you Mm -hmm. get spiritual that's what i'm trying to say but this is the Revelation Red Pill, so y'all are on board. Well, all y'all people going to hell if you do. <laughs> Michelle. Okay. I said it. I said what I said. So come back and don't go to hell. So in our episode on Rockefeller, Carnegie, and Morgan, there was an election in 1896. And that election was between William Jennings Bryan and uh, William McKinley. Okay? And lo and behold... The people picked Williams Jenning Bryan. Just like 2020. But the bankers went to the Republican Party. They said, you know what? We, we're not going to. And guess what? They didn't. They didn't care which party they were using. Do you understand? 
they just wanted their guy. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this is going to blow some of your minds and it's blowing some of it's blowing my mind, some of my mind as well, because I have a stack of books. I'm going to see if I can reach them. I got a stack of books on monetary policy. She's got a whole stack of books, actually. You know what? I'm going to tell them why you got them. Because we had to teach a class. Yeah, we want to make sure we're doing the right research. <laughs> so this is just a few of the books. Um, in the Pet, In the Fed. Ron All right, Paul. so this is actually the gold and the gold standard. And this is Understanding Money Mechanics. So when I read this book, I was a little confused. And I'm going to tell you why. The Constitution is bimetal. Gold Bi- and metallic. silver. Bimetallic. So our money is, is based upon what is sound money. Sound money is something that uh, has inherent wealth, is easy to transport, uh, holds up over time, is easily recognized. Uh, that's what sound money is. Is Patriot Gallery in the chat? I hope so. Patriot Gallery, maybe you could do us a favor and get us a silver dime and go get the ounce of gold mm, out okay. of the cabinet. So what happened is our Constitution and our founding fathers knew we needed to have two forms of metal because gold is great for large purchases and holding on your wealth. Yes. It's not great when you're dealing with small purchases. That's what silver is for. So we're going to get to the Wizard of Oz, and I want to give you some punchlines because I want to I want to pique your interest, and we're going to dive into this. So the Wizard of Oz was written... Uh, actually as an allegory of the monetary policy that was happening in the mid to late 1800s. And there's so much imagery that it wasn't just made up like Alice in Wonderland Mm -hmm. or it was an allegory like the Chronicles of Narnia. And everything fits into exactly what was happening of that time, at that time. The scarecrow was representative of the farmer's who everybody said didn't have a brain. They couldn't understand monetary If I only had a brain. If I only had a brain. Yeah, they didn't understand, but they did have a brain. They were smart. The Tin Man is actually the woodsman Tin Man. Does anybody remember why the Tin Man's made out of tin? It's pretty grotesque. The, The Wicked Witch of the West cursed him, and he cut off both of his arms. Yeah, I forgot about that. And it's really sad. Yeah. So the woodsman Tin Man. Is that in the film? I don't remember. Maybe. It's in the book. So it, what that represents is men who are working with their hands, that which mm-hmm. is good, yes, and get stuck in industries and are now full of, um, now have to be oiled and get rusty. And, and it represented the, the, the so the, the three different people in, that go along with Dorothy. You forgot about the Cowardly Lion. I haven't gotten there. Oh, okay. And the Cowardly Lion we're going to talk about is Williams Jennings Bryan. He was actually known as the Lion, the Great Orator. He was the one who was going to take down when if he was elected, and he was going to be elected. He was a Christian actually, and this is this is what blows my mind. Williams Jennings Bryan was running as a Democrat. William McKinley was running as a Republican, and we have been taught even through the conservative movement that the Republicans of the party who's freed the slaves and the Republicans have been great and blah blah blah. No, they have not. Because every president in the past 100, over 100 years, going back to 1896, was not chosen by the people, was chosen by the bankers. So whoever fit their narrative, they either chose from the left or they chose from the right. And that goes to the Wizard of Oz. Mm. See, there's pieces in the, in the book that are not in the movie. Yeah. And the Wizard of Oz could change uh, his, uh, how he appeared according to who he was with. 
So the Wizard of Oz did not represent one person. Right. The Wizard of Oz represented the presidency who was a puppet, mm. who was beholden to the Wicked Witch of the East and the Wicked Witch of the West, which represent the industries and the bankers of J.P. Morgan in the East and the other big bankers and the industry in the in the West, which was not the West West, but the Midwest at the you time, which was Rockefeller. A, you're literally making me want to read the book. I know, because. When when I go back to the film, there it starts with the one wicked witch mm -hmm. smashed by the house. Yes. And you can tell in the film, even as a child, I looked at it and I thought, we're missing part of the story. We're missing part of the story. None of this is making sense. And why does she have, and here's our, uh, I'm going to give you some punchlines, and then we're going to play some videos, and we're going to kind of dive yeah. into this. I don't think Patriot Geller heard me. I'm going to go see what I But I want find. you to give you some of the punchlines. But before you go, wait. I want to give some of the punchlines while you're here. Okay. Okay. I wish you told them to me already. Yeah, I, I want to. I want you to talk okay, about okay, it. Okay. Okay. Some okay. of the punchlines, the big ones. Patriot Gallery. If you didn't hear me, I would like. A, hey, Mama. No, she's watching the show. Uh, uh, I she, would like the ounce of gold, which is in the cabinet, and a silver dime, please. If you're I watching, I can't bang up like she this. bangs down on uh, us. No, she do. Knock three times on the ceiling. Not a good song. Michelle, that was really bad. Sorry. Why did you do that? Because that's like me reading the articles on Sundays. Keep going. But that was from your own brain. If I only had a brain. But you got a heart. You <laughs> I have, have a heart. And heart. you have courage. I think I'm Even like though you have the main of the lion. I have. I do have the main of the lion. I have, uh, uh, unfortunately, a brain that thinks in songs, mm -hmm. even if those songs aren't good. Yeah. You've got an eye boogie. On your you left, eye. yeah, right on your on your left eye. Uh -huh. Yeah, I it is. see it. Yeah. Look at that. Where did yeah. that come from? I put makeup on. How do you Redo get a it. tissue to dance? Put a little boogie in it. That's right. Put an eye boogie in it. Leah. It's okay, not okay going so anywhere. she. Now this is this is the whole point of of the book is silver. Hey, here she comes. Here she comes. Just here a walking down the comes. stairs. Oh, you want me to come and get it? Okay. Singing silver dimes and gold. What do you okay, mean? Okay, we're good. Silver, silver, silver. So remember, the MGM Wizard of Oz changed the silver shoes to, in the book, and in the stage play, to ruby red slippers. Totally, if you have ruby red slippers, you lose the whole book. Nothing yeah. makes sense if you do that. And I believe that that's why they did that. Sure. They also said they wanted Technicolor, but... She had silver slippers. Now, the house uh, in, in Kansas, and we're getting some of the details, but I want to hit some punchlines so you get your brain moving in the right direction, hits this Wicked Witch of the East, and she's got these sh silver shoes that were controlling these munchkins. And they didn't know it was the power was in these shoes. And, and why would the power be in these silver shoes? Mm -hmm. Follow, follow, follow the yellow brick road. Does that sound? You know, gold. every single time. Mm -hmm. That I watched that. It looks like gold. It looks like gold. Yeah, yellow bricks. It's a gold road. So you have yellow bricks. Yeah. And everybody calls them, you know, your bricks. Everybody says that they do look like. And you know why? Because when I think of the streets of heaven, I think of the Wizard they're of Oz and the yellow. But even though they're like translucent. So they're going heaven, to the Emerald City. Yes. Which is greenbacks, the dollar. Okay. And, it's, and, and everybody. Film, it's green. And everybody. And it's even worse now. Your eye boogie. Leah. It's okay. I got most of it. Ah. <laughs> what did I if you were a monkey, you would have ate it. That's so gross. I'm not. Well, and there are monkeys in the movie. Yeah. And they actually represent the Native Americans on the plains. Oh, that's racist. I know it is. Well, they were they were kidnapped and used. Okay, yeah, that makes and sense. And they were free before. Yeah. You, you know, the, the, Dorothy frees the monkeys who were um, able to, uh, they lived free, able to do whatever they wanted to do. 
Off and on says, uh, sure glad I didn't miss the eye boogie incident. I know, right? So you've got the silver shoes on the yellow brick road to the Emerald City, and everybody has to be clothed in green. They're clothed in green. And even at the end of the movie, the um, the wizard forces Dorothy to sew so patches on his balloon oh my out of green cloth. Leah, so it's green cloth. The witch's face is green. Is green. Yeah. And she wears a yellow cap. She gets a yellow cap that helps her have magic. Well, that must be in the book, though, because in the film it's she in wears the a black one. No, I know, but she puts right. it on twice. To, wow. So that's in the book. Okay. Now, I'm going to... We're going to play some of these videos to give you a, a, a background of the monetary policy of what was happening in the 1800s. You were first. getting into the bimetallic system and went completely off. Yeah. The well, rails. I want to give you. I want. I'm not. I'm not off the rails. I'm giving you guys the punchline so you can get excited and and dive in with me. Now, I'm going to give you the major punchline that literally blew my mind just today, Michelle. You're going to give them that punchline right now. Right now. So no. Right now. Us. Hey, you guys. Leah, you can't give it away. What no. is the abbreviation? Of O-U-N-C-E. Ounce. Ounce. What is the abbreviation for ounce? Put it in the chat. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. Do, you guys put do, that. What do, is the abbreviation do, do, for ounce? Do, do. So what we're dealing do, with. Do, 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 we're dealing do, with money. Do, 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 what is the abbreviation do, do. So for ounce? So this is an ounce of gold. I'm going to pull this out. We got this from ITM Trading. Do, 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 do. Ah, there you go. Everybody's winning. Yes. Winning, uh, winning, winning. What Now, what does that sound like when you say it out loud? Oz. Mm -hmm. It's not the Wizard of Oz. It's the Wizard of Ounce. It's the wizard, the monetary wizard, the greenback. Alchemy yes. is wizardry and witchcraft. Yes. So Matt has said to me, why are you doing one on, you know, the, the Wizard of Oz? Isn't that witchcraft? I said, yes. That's why this whole movie it, and, and the book was based on witchcraft. Because you do have what happened with J.P. Morgan is he was using witchcraft. What happened with Rockefeller is he's using witchcraft. The wizard, the witchcraft in Washington, D.C. And I don't think the <laughs> author Sherry in Bronx, the chat. Oz, OMG. <laughs> that was exactly my response as well. I was like, oh, no. Went to the Emerald City. And it's all clothing greenbacks. You've got the ounce. The yellow brick road, two ounce, to the, 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 it, it, the, it's just, it's too much. Okay? It's too much. Um, and we're going to get to something. And there's a passage in the book that says when he's, when she gets to the, gets to ounce, Oz, she goes through seven passageways and three flights of stairs. And that's what we're going to get to. There was the, it is a, it was, it's known as the crime of 1873. Mm -hmm. And in 1873, they demonetized silver. And what they did is they made it so that farmers could not get a hold of money. Wow. Any money. They pulled all money from the system. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. So they couldn't get loans. Mm -hmm. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything. And the rich on the, the East Coast witch and the West Coast witches, these big industries were getting wealthier. So if you walk away with one thing from the show, and I'm I'm repenting right now, we don't want a gold standard. Gold standard is what led us to the paper dollar. Gold we need a bimetallic system because that is what the, the Bible has. Remember, the God uses silver. It says that God says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Even during the time of, of, of Solomon, they used gold and silver. Remember, in Jeremiah. A potter's field could be buy for 30, bought for 30 pieces of silver. And then what did Judas uh, betray Jesus for? 30 pieces of silver. Okay, so silver is supposed to be our more um, uh, everyday okay. metal. So what I have right here 
is a roll of silver dimes. Patriot Alex said, I couldn't find just one dime. So this is a roll of silver dimes, all right? So 10 of these, roughly, it's actually in America, it's 15, but let's just say 10 because it's easier. Uh, throughout history for the past, you know, 6,000 years, it's usually been 10 or 15 to one in all societies that have used gold and silver. So mm -hmm. we'll just say 10 to one because it's easier for math. So 10 silver dimes to equal the value of one ounce of gold, okay? Mm -hmm. That's what we call a bimetallic system. Yeah. Okay? Not just a gold standard, okay, but both in tandem. That's a bimetallic system. So we don't want a gold standard. We want the bimetallic system. That's why I wanted Patriot Gallery to bring these down. All right. So what is known now? What? What did you, what was her math? Ten silver dollars, not ten silver thank you. I'm so sorry, mom. Mom, it's a, thank you. The Patriot Gallery just helped me. It's a hundred dimes to equal the value. So it's 10 silver dollars. Thank you, mom. I knew that. I don't know why. I just had a brain fart. Um, 10 silver dollars. The Constitution puts it at 15. The Constitution puts it at 15, but for people, because this is all history. We can talk about America all we want, but there's other nations where it's not 15 to one. Okay, okay but I wanna... and so it's easier for for math for people to do them at the ten to one. The fifteen okay. one is a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit more difficult, but, but we can do, we can do it. Fifteen. Math is we'll 15 do for to one. for the United States. We will operate. You need fifteen silver of dollars. these, and so which means you would need a hundred and fifty mm -hmm. dimes, yeah. to equal the value of this gold. Okay, okay so, so fifteen of these, one hundred and fifty dimes. We're going to use the Thank word. Thank you, mom. We're going to use the word populist. And, and grab a hold of that word because Steve Bannon's been using it. We, in this mega movement, there are populists on the left and the populists on the right. Those are pe the people of the people, okay? And so there was a populist movement stuck right there in the late 1800s that got, it, it's totally washed over in history books. And those are our lefty, democratic and, and they, at the time, they were very Christian because William Jennings Bryan was a pastor filled with, I believe he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay. Now we got to, we have to join together left and right, populist left, populist right to take down the true enemy because what they're trying to do is get us to, and th there are so many quotes on this, get the little people to fight over the little things while they stand back. They don't care about abortion. They don't care about anything else. What they want is the money system. All right. So what is so the before you get to hang on, this is important just as to lay a foundation for Williams, Jenning, Bryan, my understanding from what you have, what we've done in our own research, what you've been telling me is that he was the equivalent of kind of Trump. He's Trump. He basically was Trump. He was, he had the popularity Williams, Bryan of was Trump, Donald Trump. Trump. Yeah. And he honestly, Williams, Jenning, Bryan would be, Bryan would be the right to the right of Trump. Yes. To the right of Even Trump. Even though he was a quote, Lefty, and though know, he was he was a Democrat. Do you know what I mean? But he was he would on policy issues he would be the, the right of Trump. Okay, historically. Okay, yes, Trump. William Shedding Bryan is our Trump. The cowardly lion is our Trump. That's why this is so important. That's why this I'm so excited about this episode in the film. Yes, in, As I'm, in I'm the just book. Saying, yes, in, in the, the book. book, film, whatever. William Shedding Bryan is the cowardly lion. He's Trump. Think about it. What I want to do is take this Wizard of Oz and this monetary system and. And 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 take it into now because what's happening now is almost the same thing, but it's we're dealing with different scenarios, but it's almost the same thing. And, and this time we're going to win, okay? They didn't Amen. win then because they were they didn't know they were fighting, fighting a spiritual battle. But obviously, the Wizard of Oz is based on witchcraft, so it is a spiritual battle. 
what is known in populist rhetoric in the late uh, uh, about 1800s, 19 as uh, 19, early 1900s, as the crime of 1873 was the demonetization of silver enacted by the Coinage Act in 1873. Alexander Hamilton had set the United States on a bimetallic standard in eight, in 1792. And with the notable exception of the Civil War, the country had not moved from this system. In practice, this was a continuous switching from a gold standard to a silver standard. When the legal price of gold, in terms of silver that is, how many pounds of silver you get for one pound of gold, which was set by the Coinage Act at 15 to 1, was greater than the market price, then nobody would bring gold to mint and the country would be in a de facto monometallic silver standard. The consequences of this technical decision were enormous, and it seems to be clear in the view of recent research by, that many people suffered until the end of the century. And you can see that there are many consequences to removing us from the, uh, the, the, the decision to remove the American dollar from bimetallism did not have immediate consequences in 1873. Uh, but as we've seen before, silver was undervalued at the legal ratio and nobody used it anyway. But as one country uh, after the other switched to the gold standard at the end of the century, the demand for gold rose tremendously and a flow of silver was freed from the monetary purposes in France, England, Germany, and almost other big countries. The result was that the dollar, and so the American monetary mass and ultimately output of employment was linked to a metal that was getting scarcer and scarcer uh, because between 17, 1879 and 1897, the rate of increase in gold output slowed. <clears throat> the demand increased at the same time. The monetary mass could not keep up with pace with the strongly expanding economy and the price measured in gold declined strongly. This deflationary effect was hindered to some extent by the spreading uh, monetization of the American economy and a more efficient banking system. Um, you then... Between 1875 and 1896, a deflation of about 1% a year, and it was actually worse than that because the farmers could not, the price that the farmers were getting for their crops would, would was like half, and they couldn't make the bank payments. Often they would take out a loan to buy the seed, and then some of these farmers would actually, the, the bankers were having them pay interest rates of even 100 or 200%. Mm. And the, the, um, the good good witch of the South in the book is kind of representative representative of the Southern farmers, and there there is some racist connotations too. And then the book alludes, alludes to the fact that the the South was kind of racist in the South, uh, and and for good for good for good measure that he called that out and he kind of pointed that out. So that is. Kind of on the monetary side, this deflation made um, many bank loans turn sour as the debtors struggled to honor their obligations with rising real value of their debts. So what happened is now their their debts cost even more. Mm -hmm. uh, some there was the the the, the famous bank uh, panic of 1892 led to this populist uprising of William Jennings Bryan, and he's like, "You are doing this to the people. You're doing this to the people. You're doing this. So why Kansas?" Why Kansas? Let me get to this article. Um, there's, a, there's a good article on, let me see here. So Kansas was known as a state where the populace were growing. You don't have to bring it up. I mean, you can bring up the picture. Um, the populace were growing and taking over the government. They, many people had left Kansas because of the crops were failing there was a lot of things, a lot of things that were happening. They, they left. But those who stayed blamed the bankers and they rose up and they wanted to fight them. And the populace took over 
the Kansas state legislature and the uh, governor, and they even sent a, a populist senator. So imagine mega movement. So imagine um, your state is taken over by all mega people yeah. and mega people are in, in your house and you've got a mega governor and you've got a, a mega senator and hey. you and you've won. Well, just as the left hates Ron DeSantis and what he's doing in Florida. Sure. There was the, 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 the journalists of the day and the, the big, big bankers hated Kansas. Mm-hmm. And they were known as a, a cyclone because they were so they. And that's why it's based in Kansas. And wow. Dorothy represents the everyday man because Kansas actually was the heart of where the populist movement was rising. That's powerful. And they were very much behind Williams, Jenny Bryan. And the South was very much behind Williams, Jenny Bryan. And to the point, so you've got the wicked, the wicked witches in the East and the West, mm-hmm. but the, the North and the South is the good witch and the, the good witches of the North, good witches of the, the South, Glenda, mm-hmm. the good witch. And those are the people who would have supported Williams, Jenny Bryan. Right. And the, and the silver standard. And it's, it's just absolutely uh, mind-boggling. So let's go to. I think the first video I want to I want to play for you guys is this you is um this YouTube video, the populist movement, the real story behind the Wizard of Oz. Mm. It's all the way to the left. Okay. And you had to play through an ad. We'll get through the ad here, and then we'll. Play and forgive it. us because I am going to actually be repeating a lot of the different things from the movie, and we're going to play some Man, things 70. that do repeat because I had to listen to it three times before it made sense. Okay. And then I was like, whoa, it blew my mind. It started at the beginning. There you go. Oh, and oh. you have to watch an ad again? You have to watch an ad if you started at the beginning, I guess so. Unbelievable. Oz was a children's story published in 1900 that was adapted for the big screen into a timeless movie classic in 1939. This American fairy tale has delighted audiences ever since. But why bring this up in a video series on financial history? Stay with me. If viewed from a certain perspective, first suggested by historian Henry Littlefield in 1964, this story can help our understanding of the populist movement and the 19th century debate over the gold standard. It's true. Well, sort of. While author L. Frank Baum has denied any link to contemporary politics in his children's tale, I invite you to take this perspective anyway, at least for the next 30 minutes or so. So sit back and let me take you first to Kansas and then over the rainbow to the real land of Oz. A place where there isn't any trouble. Do you suppose there is such a place, Toto? There must be. Dorothy's real name, according to this theory, was Mary Elizabeth Lease. She lived in Wichita, Kansas, where she fought for women's suffrage, economic justice, and temperance. She was active in both the Knights of Labor and the Farmers' Alliance, as well as the Socialist, Labor, and Populist parties. Wall Street owns the country. It is no longer a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, but a government of Wall Street, by Wall Street, and for Wall Street. She was a powerful speaker who worked tirelessly to build support for the People's Party among Midwestern farmers who were suffering through very difficult times. Now, the United States in the 1880s was undergoing a massive economic boom and was on the way to becoming the biggest and most powerful economy in the world. 
This did eventually help to improve the lives of most regular people. But there had been an inadequate and inflexible amount of money in circulation ever since the establishment of the national banking system after the Civil War. As the economy grew and the money supply failed to keep up, the American people would feel the effects of something called deflation, which is the opposite of inflation. During times of deflation, the value of the dollar goes up and prices go And the go only down. reason there was a, so, um, a, a shrinking of the monetary supply was the devaluing of silver. Right. Okay. Because what they everybody was buying the gold and then the silver was almost nothing. It's great, but it's actually pretty devastating. Let's take the example of wheat prices. Wheat was $2.95 a bushel in 1866, but only $1.40 in 1875. That's crazy. It would keep dropping until 1894 when it sold for just 56 cents a bushel. This had a direct and massive impact on farmers' incomes. Even worse, most farmers in this period were heavily in debt with mortgages and from buying farm machinery, which greatly increased output, but was another reason for the collapse of farm prices. During deflationary times, any money they had in savings would get more valuable. But farmers didn't have savings, they had debt. And that debt would grow more and more burdensome while their income was collapsing. So no, the 1880s was not farmers' best decade ever. <laughs> we went to work and plowed and planted. We raised the big crop that they told us to. And what came of it? Eight cent corn, 10 cent oats, two cent beef, and no price at all for butter and eggs. The politicians said we suffered from overproduction. Mm. Overproduction, when 10,000 little children starve to death every year in the United States, and over 100,000 shop girls in New York are forced to sell their virtue for the bread their niggardly wages deny them. We want money, land, and transportation. We want the abolition of the national banks. And we want the power to make loans direct from the government. We want the foreclosure system wiped out. Farmers in the cash-starved Midwest had to pay interest rates around 10% on loans with equally high bank fees. And that's when they could get a loan. The national banking system was designed not for their needs, but for the needs of Eastern merchants. East. The major expense most East. farmers had was to buy their land. But national banks were prohibited from offering mortgages. This left an opening for the old state banking system, which wasn't completely gone yet, and it gained new life offering mortgages. But that didn't completely solve the economic woes Midwestern farmers had. They also struggled under the thumb of the railroad monopolies, who they relied on to transport their goods to the rest of the nation. Railroad fees were often different depending on the type of good being shipped, which farmers thought was discriminatory. The rates could also be changed right up until the last minute. Have a big shipment of perishable goods? The price might suddenly go up on you, and you'd have no choice but to pay it. Still, Western farmers were better off than those in the South, Southern black farmers in particular often found themselves exploited by something called the crop lien system, which charged them outrageously high interest rates. Due to a severe lack of currency in the South, merchants who sold to farmers, white or black, would charge two prices, one for cash and one much higher for credit. Farmers at the start of the growing season who needed supplies but found themselves without the cash had no choice but to offer their entire year's crop to this merchant, who was known as the furnishing man, or simply the man. This merchant would charge them the higher credit price, of course, but on top of that, unbelievable interest rates, ranging from 50, 100, to as high as 200% wow. interest. Yet the farmers, many of whom were illiterate, weren't even told the interest rate, and they weren't given receipts. They would only know at the end of the year if their crop paid out or not. 
If not, it'd be stuck on the crop lien again for another year. This is a form of debt peonage that few ever escaped. The scarecrow might be uneducated, but when Dorothy asked if he wanted to go with her, it didn't take him long to decide. He would follow her all the way to where the golden road ends. This is a march on Washington. Back in the greenback era, which we discussed last episode, it wasn't farmers, but workers and labor organizers who had provided the theory and most of the policy goals for the Farmer Labor Coalition. This time around, it was farmers getting organized first, and the Farmers Alliance, which had been something of a mutual aid association, started to get political. They began to look for allies, remembering the people's coalitions of years past. But try as they might to reach out, very few labor groups would join them. Why? What happened to the workers? sad part of the movie is that the guy who they got to do who acted in it first uh got really really sick and was in like an oxygen chamber with the uh makeup they had on him i know industrial workers may have been less often in debt compared to farmers but they had their own struggles gone were the days of small traditional workshops where their grandfathers worked in dignity and with autonomy the Gilded Age saw the rise of truly large corporations, starting with the railroads and eventually expanding to other industries as the pace of corporate consolidation picked up steam. The average small workshop couldn't compete in this new industrial-scale economy, and many were forced to start working for a wage, some perhaps for the first time. Working hours were long, with 10, 12, or 14-hour days being common. Most worked six or even seven days a week just to make ends meet. Working conditions were very dangerous, but the worst part for many was the feeling that they weren't in control of their own lives, that they weren't even human, like heartless cobs in the machine of capitalism. Beautiful! What a nickel! It's empty. The tinsmith forgot to give me a hot. Railroad workers in particular began to realize that they were being exploited. They had very low pay, which often came late, or in the form of not actual cash but script only usable at company stores. They had dangerous working conditions with no insurance if they lost a finger or a hand, which was a common injury among railroad brakemen in particular. So when the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad cut wages by 10% in 1873, workers complained but felt they were powerless to fight this massive corporation. Then they cut wages again in 1876 and announced another 10% cut on July 16, 1877. How did you get off Metformin? Oh my gosh. I used the 10 second peanut trick. <laughs> when are we gonna get YouTube? stood in a rail yard in Martinsburg, West Virginia, looking at each other in disbelief as they counted their wages. Suddenly, the crew manning one train just got up and left. Other workers spontaneously announced that the yard was shutting down. They uncoupled trains so they couldn't be moved and stopped replacement workers from entering the yard when their bosses started realizing what was going on. Police quickly showed up and tried to make some arrests, but they were surrounded by striking workers and were forced to give up that idea. The local militia came out the next day. They got to work hitching back up the train cars until they too were surrounded. The militia pointed their rifles at the workers and ordered them to move, but the workers refused. One even drew a pistol and fired at the militia. The militia returned fire, striking him dead. But no one fled and more workers started gathering. Some of the militiamen knew these workers. Some were even friends. So they didn't want to start a fight. The militia eventually left. That's when the B&O Railroad demanded that federal troops intervene and take their side in this dispute. They sent a telegram to President Hayes, talking off the railway's importance to the nation. 
This great national highway can only be restored for public use by the interposition of U.S. forces. As they were asking for help, the strike had already spread to the Pennsylvania Railroad and then across the entire country. America's rail network ground to a halt. The strike spread to other industries too, with miners, longshoremen, carpenters, mechanics, and textile workers all leaving their jobs in solidarity. This sparked fears of a potential communist uprising that gripped the upper classes. Capitalism wasn't even a century old yet in the US, but it seemed to some that its last days had arrived. So what was their solution to save last capitalism? capitalism? President Hayes sent in the army armed with bayonets, artillery, and a Gatling gun. So you've got a president who goes in with the military mm-hmm. to make people work the railroads. Right. These federal troops didn't know any of the workers personally, so they went efficiently from city to city, squashing the strikes and putting out the fires. They killed an estimated 100 people and wounded thousands more in the bloody street fighting. Throughout the 19th century, federal and state governments would continue to respond to striking workers with military and legal repression, including the arrests of union leaders. In response to what they saw as the federal government's betrayal of its citizens, workers' organizations would change in character. They began to move away from the grand vision of groups like the Knights of Labor, who had hope to thoroughly know, change society guys, and politics. It doesn't mean that just because the Knights of Labor are, it doesn't mean that they did things right. Right. I'm, I'm, we're presenting history to you. People who got up and tried to fight the big industrialist. Okay. We need to be able to understand the one thing that Michelle and I did, I think that was really great when we first started our show was joined together the populist left and the populist yeah, right against yeah, yeah. the bad guys, 100%. okay? And then you bring them into the power of God. Yes, you have legitimate concerns. We have the same concerns, but different solutions. That's good. The better. Workers started losing confidence that transformative change was even possible. In their place, a more pragmatic group called the American Federation of Labor grew to become the largest U.S. labor organization in the late 1880s. The AFL, led by Samuel Gompers, was much less interested in politics than were the Knights of Labor of the 1870s and 80s, or the National Labor Union of the 1860s, who they replaced. According to labor historian Philip Dre, Gompers' group harbored no illusions about shaping a new world more favorable to the proletariat. It focused instead on wages, hours, and working conditions, fighting for these goals within the industrial status quo. It followed a philosophy that many workers found reassuring, one based upon wage consciousness rather than class consciousness, with no idea of trying to change the economic system, let alone seeking to overthrow it. By the mid-1890s, most workers had become tired of fighting and seeing their friends die or be arrested. On the other hand, some groups went in the opposite direction. They became radicalized and even more committed to revolution. But many of them had also stopped seeing electoral politics as a meaningful way forward. To farmers looking to form a national farmer-labor coalition to compete against the two-party system, the workers seemed shell-shocked and paralyzed by decades of violent class struggle. Wait a minute, fellas. I was just thinking. I really don't want to see the wizard this much. I'd better wait for you outside. Last episode, we talked about how politicians in the Greenback era would waffle on the issue of currency reform, refusing to either fully back the reforms or to fully back away from them. This unfortunate tendency of politicians continued to irk populists into the Gilded Age. These elected officials are the respected leaders of our communities. So why are they so scared to stand up for us? Why, you're nothing but a great big coward. Since the failure of the Greenback movement, Currency reformers had begun to focus on silver as a way to fight back against the deflationary tide of this era. Silver had been officially demonetized in 1873, meaning it was no longer possible to take silver ore to the U.S. Mint and have it turned into coins. The reason for this was perfectly sensible. I'm going to give you my number one tip to get over a breakup. The rest of the world was doing it. All major countries had already adopted the gold standard following Britain and Germany's lead. 
more to the point, bimetallism had never really worked I, this in the This is a part that I disagree One metal with. or the other was always slightly over or undervalued. And that's what the that gold led to the more valuable coins about. vanishing from circulation gold. as they were hoarded or melted Historically, down. Historically, gold and silver So when Congress demonetized silver in 1873, the move wasn't even controversial because there were hardly any silver dollars left in circulation. The lack of congressional debate at the time, on what later seemed to some people like a very important issue, led to some conspiratorial thinking taking root. That year's Coinage Act, a completely unremarkable piece of legislation, somehow became known as the Crime of 73. <laughs> people thought Congress had been bribed by a cabal of globalist Jewish bankers and that's why they passed it. Of course, what other reason could there have been? Do I have to say this? That's not true. That's anti-Semitic. Mm. But anyway, free silver became a rallying cry well, and the focus nice. of the people's movement to put a stop to deflation and to get more money in circulation. In response to their advocacy, our very brave politicians rushed to do what they do best. They'd waffle. In 1878, as the Treasury was preparing for resumption of the gold standard, Congress passed the Bland-Allison Act, which re-monetized silver and required the Treasury to buy at least $2 million in silver ore every month from Western mines. Pick a direction and stick with it. This act pleased nobody. The silver movement wanted unlimited coinage of silver, much more than $2 million a month. And the gold standard folks were livid. Actually, one group did like the bill. Western silver mine owners. By this point, silver production was going through the roof and they needed somewhere to offload all the ore. These mine owners kept lobbying Congress every year and they got a stronger version passed in 1890 called the Sherman Silver Purchase Act. It was a big gift to mine owners. It was not a still gift far that from was the free actually and unlimited coinage of silver that the movement wanted. With the gold. Back in the Midwest, organizers with the Farmers Alliance had been traveling the South and West for years on a campaign of mutual aid and political education. After years of hearing Alliance speakers and talking with their neighbors about the issues, Western farmers were finally ready to break with the Democratic Party. We are in the midst of a nation brought to the verge of moral, political, and material ruin. The newspapers are muzzled, public opinion silenced, business prostrate, our homes covered with mortgages, labor impoverished, and the land concentrating in the hands of capitalists. The fruits of the toil of millions are boldly stolen to build up colossal fortunes unprecedented in the history of the world. While their possessors despise the republic well, and endanger liberty, the controlling influences dominating the old political was, parties have allowed the, the existing dreadful conditions to develop without serious effort to restrain or prevent them. The Farmers' Alliance gathered on July 4th, 1892, along with the remnants of the Knights of Labor, to form a new political party and nominate the People's Candidate for President. Delegates to the convention nominated James Weaver, a Brigadier General in the Union Army, and a former Greenbacker who had served that party as U.S. Representative from Iowa. They also decided on an ambitious platform, including public ownership of the railroads and telegraph lines, progressive income tax, the direct election of senators, the eight-hour workday, and the abolition of private banks. Many populists, including Mary Elizabeth Leese, also pushed for women's suffrage to be included in the platform, but Weaver thought it would cost him votes, so he blocked it. But the most popular plank of the platform was, of course, the free and unlimited coinage of silver. That's the one Some part populists of the even wanted the People's Party to run right. on this issue alone. They saw silver as their last chance for relief from the crushing deflation of this period. Dorothy's ruby slippers were actually silver in the original book. They were changed for the movie to highlight the new technology of Technicolor. Silver, which had been used as money since the nation's founding, took on a new meaning to desperate farmers who now understood it to possess fabulous power. In the election of 1892, the People's Party faced off against the Republicans, who ran on a platform of bimetallism, and the Democrats, who, you'll never guess, tried to please everyone by waffling. Their nominee, Grover Cleveland, was a hard-money man, but he was very quiet on this particular issue during the campaign. His vice president was a supporter of silver, so no one really knew how they'd fall on the currency question. The Democrats won the election, taking the presidency and three seats in the Senate. The Republicans made gains in the House, but weren't able to overtake the Democratic majority. 
For their part, the populists did quite well, taking 11 seats in the House and winning 22 electoral votes for Weaver. But after the election, there was precious little time to pass any pro-silver legislation at all before Grover Cleveland decided that he was done waffling. As he took office, the Panic of 1893 erupted, causing economic devastation throughout the country. Cleveland blamed the Sherman Silver Purchase Act as the cause of the panic. He convened a special session of Congress to repeal that legislation, which they did in August of 1893. This didn't do anything to stop the depression, of course. Instead, the main effect of this repeal was the shattering of party unity, just like how Grant's veto of the Inflation Act nearly destroyed the Republican Party in the 1870s. Cleveland's repeal of the Silver Purchase Act was catastrophic for the Democratic Party of the 1890s. They wouldn't win the presidency again for two decades. That being the case, some of the more pragmatic populists saw Democratic weakness as their opportunity. The Democratic Party was ripe for a takeover, they argued. During the populist nominating convention of 1896, some delegates pushed for fusion with the Democrats by voting for the Democratic candidate for president that year, William Jennings Bryan, as the populist nominee as well. After all, Bryan was quite Remember, strong on the silver issue, I think it's fair to say. He will answer the demand for the gold standard by saying to them, you shall not press down upon the brow of labor this crown of thorns. You shall not crucify mankind upon a cross of gold. The more pragmatic populist delegates argued that they couldn't afford to split the pro-silver vote. That would hand the election to William McKinley, the Republican, who was strong for the gold standard. That's what they argued, but in truth, this is what they had wanted all along, to get all the divisive issues like women's suffrage and bank nationalization off the platform and focus on one issue, free silver on a major party ticket. But this was the death of the People's Party. They had ceded the core of their economic message and their very identity as a party so they could ride on the coattails of a weakened Democratic Party on a single issue. Even worse, this issue, which had been heavily promoted by the big silver mines, didn't have much resonance outside the West. Mary Elizabeth Lease led a faction of so-called middle-of-the-roaders who pushed for the populists to continue as an independent third party and not hitch their wagon to the Democrats. They wanted issues like women's suffrage, voting reform, and the core of the populist economic message, including the abolition of banks and the... So I'm going to stop that there. I'm going to go it's back got to... It's like the, a good one minute left. I know. I, um, I'm going to go back to um, this other... That was... So don't take everything in that as truth but as pieces of history, and we're going to put all these pieces together. And other people see uh, Dorothy as just being the everyday man and not um, Lise there, the, the great woman suffragette, because later on, Baum, who wrote The, the Wizard of Ounce, The Wizard of Oz, uh, wrote a satire against the women's suffrage movement and against feminism. Mm -hmm. One of the arguments is that Baum was not political, that he was more of a Republican, um, that's the author of The Wizard of Oz. Could this have been just a story for children? And actually, no, um, it really isn't. He was, Baum is a, was a reporter. He was a journalist and he was covering this giant, massive political movement, the silver rights, what they call them versus the gold bugs. Mm -hmm. And, I would rather hang out with the gold bugs sure. than obviously than the paper dollar people. The problem is that when you think about the gold bugs, there's not enough money there. There's not enough there. So what are you going to do? They're it not making any a, sense. A, a back again. It has to be a bimetal system. It has to be a bimetal system. And so 
the 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 bankers on the on the east and the bankers on the west were making so much money and and they were sucking the economy dry. Yeah. Okay. By saying, you know what, your silver is not worth anything anymore. Mm-hmm. It used to be that you could take silver ore and go get it coined for free. Sure. And then you had a coin. Yeah. Awesome. And that's what you should be able to do. That you should be able to coin money. Coin and and some people say, well. Oh my goodness! Well, that silver might flood the market. What do you think we're done? We've done with thirty-two trillion dollars of paper money that's worth nothing. Exactly. Silver has a value. Silver is real. If you have silver, that's how you actually add. You do need to add money to the system sure. because if you have more people, you do need more money. That's a good point, Leah. Okay, that's really good. I know. Thanks. You're welcome. You do need more money. The population is increasing, so you need more money in circulation. Let's go. What they did was they said, no, you can't put your silver into circulation. Yes, under God, you need to be able to take out. All silver is money. Yes. And what you do is you go to the... The, to the to the state and you say mm-hmm. make sure that this is what I say it is because I yeah. need to be able to use silver as money right period end right. of story I should be able to melt down my silver spoons and make money out of it and so the reason Except we for g- your silver spoons are not 100 percent right. silver but yeah but the well the reason we go to a government so they test the silver yes and and they will put a stamp on it and say this is real right because people say well Leah how do you know whether it's good silver or not that's why you have Congress has the authority to to mint to, to decide how money is printed and then right. each or, or or coined and each state no state has the ability to coin anything but gold and silver as money you should be able to go to your state Corey Gray has a silver mine yeah he had eighty ounces of silver stolen from him and at the this airport is so unconstitutional I can't even tell you he's an American citizen trying to come home from Nicaragua and they confiscated eighty set eighty ounces of Silver. There is absolutely no reason. Do you no want me to reason. make us bigger? We're going to talk for a while. For just one second. Okay. There's absolutely no reason why Corey shouldn't be able to take his 80 ounces and make 80 silver dollars. Yeah. There's 100%. no reason. You should, and, and you you should be able to get the, the United States government to print it for free yeah. and say, here's, here's money. Let's put this into the system. Mm-hmm. So everybody says we need more money in the system. Banks need liquidity. This is the, this is the rub of the gold standard. They want money in the system. At first, what they did, they reg- the reason they needed the Federal Reserve very quickly is because they realized, hey, Michelle, there's not enough gold. Yes. We need more money. Right. We don't want silver because that would give the p- power back to the people. Let's make up dollars. Yes. And then, you know what we're going to do? We want the gold. So we, we want, want the to gold. take the gold. So what we're going to do is we're going to not even... You know what? If you were to turn in your gold for some silver, at least there would be some value there. But they had people and forced them into turning in their gold for now worthless paper dollars. Absolutely worthless paper dollars. That's why we keep hammering silver as the the way out. And that is why the, um, the, the, the Wizard of Ounce sees silver as the way out. Right. All right. So let's go to um, The Secret of Oz. Johnny Rockefeller was the Wicked Witch of the West uh, video here. And we're going to go back in history just a little bit to uh, the Civil War. I told you we're going to do a little repeat. This is a history lesson. And it will all fit together. We'll round it off at the end if you go to minute 32. We're going to talk about um, Andrew Jackson, who was very much against the central banks. And the bankers, let me just say, the bankers... Were, they were controlling Congress. They were controlling. They wanted to control the presidency. They wanted to control everything. Um, go ahead. States would find itself involved in a most disastrous oh, go ahead and turn it down, too. 
Is it low to anybody else? It is low. Let's turn it That's good. Although we have so foolishly allowed the power of issuing our own debt-free money to be filched from us by private individuals, I think we may recover it. The state should be asked to transfer the right of issuing paper money to Congress in perpetuity. Jefferson had it exactly right. Congress and only Congress should have the right to issue America's paper money and at no interest to no one. In 1814, the British successfully attacked Washington and burned the White House and the Capitol. After the conclusion of the War of 1812, the very next year, the bankers were back trying to get Congress to reinstate their precious privately owned central bank. Jefferson lashed out in a letter to then Treasury Secretary Gallatin. The Treasury, lacking confidence in the country, delivered itself bound hand and foot to bold and bankrupt bankers pretending to have money, whom it could have crushed at any moment. But despite Jefferson's protests, in 1816, Congress passed a bill giving another 20-year charter to a new privately owned central bank, the second bank of the United States. Once again, the English debt money system was back in control of America. It was almost like the revolution had never happened. But then the bankers ran headlong into old hickory, Andrew Jackson. By 1828, opponents of the bank nominated Senator Andrew Jackson of Tennessee, the hero of the final battle of the War of 1812, to run for president. And the 1812 was a banker's war, by the way. But to no avail. The American people were fed up with the privately owned central bank and wanted out. Jackson was swept into office. In 1832, with Jackson's re-election approaching, the bank tried to have their charter renewed early in the hopes that Jackson wouldn't want the controversy of a fight with bankers just before the election. They were wrong. Although Congress passed the renewal bill, Jackson vetoed it. His veto message drew a direct line between the bank and its masters in the Bank of England. It is easy to conceive that great evils to our country and its institutions might flow from such a concentration of power in the hands of a few who are irresponsible to the people. Controlling our currency, receiving our public monies, and holding thousands of our citizens in dependence would be more formidable and dangerous than a military power of the enemy. Nicholas Biddle was head of the Second Bank of the United States. He was brazen with the financial power he wielded over the nation. He even threatened to cause a depression if Jackson's veto were not overturned. Nothing but widespread suffering will produce any effect on Congress. Our only safety is in pursuing a steady course of firm monetary restriction. Monetary restriction. I have no doubt that such a course will ultimately lead to restoration of the currency and the recharter of the bank. This goes back to 1832. They wanted to restrict money Okay, all right, so they could, they could recharter and get their bank back. Biddle made good on his threat. America was quickly plunged into a deep depression. Property was foreclosed on for pennies on the dollar. Jackson responded forcefully. Mm. You are a den of vipers. I intend to rout you out, and by the eternal God, I will rout you out. Eventually, the nation's newspapers sided with Jackson, and the bank was not... So you see this image it's in yes, the book... The cowardly lion actually attacks a, uh, a spider with eight legs. No way. And takes him down. And they're, um, I, I'm not sure if they were attacking the, the, the field mice. There was another, there's a couple different things that they did in the book. Um, uh, but yeah, there, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Jackson then set about paying off the national debt, a debt caused by the government borrowing the nation's money supply into existence. Jackson was the only president who ever paid off the national debt. A few weeks later, an assassin tried to shoot President Jackson. He stuck two pistols in his stomach, but both misfired. 
Jackson solemnly warned the nation about any future attempts to establish another privately owned central bank. The bold effort the present bank had made to control the government, the distress it had wantonly produced are but premonitions of the fate that awaits the American people should they be deluded into a perpetuation of this institution or the establishment of another like it. Jackson went through essentially a multi-year war trying to get rid of the Second Bank of the United States. He ultimately won that war. He believed that the bankers of the time were extremely destructive to the Commonwealth of the United States and that their policies were essentially to cause inflation in various asset classes and then cause deflation and wipe out everybody who was in debt. It's, it's a pattern that is repeated throughout history. After the Revolutionary War, Great Britain sent some of their bankers over here to try to bribe Congress to get us onto a single metallic standard for the same purpose because they controlled the gold supply. And if you control the quantity of the money, nobody else cares about anything else. You can cause depressions, deflation, inflation anytime you like for your own political and monetary benefit. And if you can give people cheap credit that they cannot afford, human nature is that people will take whatever you give them for free, okay? Whether it ultimately destroys them or not. And so you can create these boom and bust cycles that ultimately asset strip the wealth of average people. Jackson got us out of debt, but 25 years later, Abraham Lincoln would do even more, return to government-issued mm. debt-free money. He called them greenbacks, the inspiration for the Emerald City of Oz. The bankers were still angry about Jackson killing the Second Bank of the United States 25 years earlier. Since then, America's economy had boomed, a bad example for the rest of the world. America had to be stopped, so they devised a plan to split the rich new nation, divide and conquer by war. As Chancellor of Germany, Otto von Bismarck, put it in 1876, I know of absolute certainty before we go further, I just want to go back to the War of 1812 and just I want you to get this history in your brain real quick. So it was Nathan Rothschild, 70% of the uh, chartered bank of the United States was uh, owned, was foreignly, was foreign owned. Okay. And uh, Nathan Rothschild uh, being uh, a major part of that. Okay. okay. So this is one of those Rothschild conspiracy theories that's actually true, even in the mainstream media. So Nathan Rothschild goes, in 1811, the charter for the bank is up for renewal and it is defeated. Yeah. And Nathan Rothschild is quoted as saying, either the application for the renewal of the charter is granted or the United States will find itself involved in a most dangerous war. Teach these impudent Americans a lesson, bring them back to colonial status. Wow. Okay. So in this version of history, Nathan Rothschild caused the War of 1812 in order to load America up with debt. Now, some people can say go back and forth whether it's true or not, but I will say that it was about banking. Mm. That the division of the United States into two federations of equal force was decided long before the Civil War by the high financial powers of Europe. These bankers were afraid that the United States, if they remained as one block and were to develop as one nation, would attain economic and financial independence, which would upset the domination of Europe over the world. President Jackson saw this coming as well. In his farewell address back on March 4, 1837, he warned the nation. Have designs already been formed to sever the Union? This great and glorious republic would soon be broken into a multitude of petty states, without commerce, without credit, loaded with taxes to pay armies, trampled upon by the nations of Europe. Punch four the bankers figured that wear his boots. I fear that foreign bankers, with their torturous tricks, will entirely control the exuberant riches of America and use it systematically to corrupt modern civilization. They will not hesitate to plunge the whole world into wars and chaos in order that the earth should become their inheritance. Ten years after Lincoln's death, Bismarck himself narrowly escaped an assassination attempt in 1875. 
After the death of President Lincoln, the bankers began to reassert their control over America's money. This was no easy task. Lincoln's greenbacks, just like Rome's plentiful debt-free coins, there and was England's some, debt-free yeah. taxes, we're not going to we're not, we're we're talk about the greenbacks in the day. By the big banks. But it is Those more likely banks. that their debt money system has finally spiraled out of even their control. In 2008 and 2009, nations poured unprecedented money into the system to prevent its collapse. At the very least, unprecedented inflation will surely follow. After Lincoln's death, the big bankers began returning America to the yellow brick road of financial serfdom. But first, they had to get rid of the silver slippers. But the bankers were not done bringing post-Civil War America to its knees. They wanted to take all silver money out of the system and make only gold be money. In 1872, a British banker named Ernest said... Was this, is most, this is one of the more important parts. ...given 100,000 pounds, about $5 million in today's money, by the Bank of England, and sent to America to bribe the necessary congressman to get silver demonetized to further reduce the money supply. The Bank of England wanted America's money in their control, and what better way to achieve that this than... This guy's really traveled around, I mean, to do this film. Mm -hmm. The next year, Congress passed the Coinage Act of 1873, and the minting of silver dollars abruptly stopped. Newspapers derided the act as the crime of 73. Everybody knew about it. The average American hated it. Demonetizing silver made money even more scarce. Mm. It put the bankers, who were the primary holders of gold, in even greater control of America. It's been a puzzle to a lot of economic historians, this obsession with uh, keeping the amount of currency so strictly limited. Um, it didn't seem to comport with the expanding economy of the time. You have this rapidly expanding economy. You have immigration that imparts fueling it. You have westward expansion. You have new industries, new technologies. And yet you have a restricted money supply, which makes it increasingly difficult for people to uh, engage in consumption and purchases and uh, other types of economic activity. By 1873, L. Frank Baum was just 17 years old, but he was already publishing a local newspaper in his hometown of Chittenango, New York. By 1877, the nation was in an uproar over the hated crime of 73. Riots broke out from Pittsburgh to Chicago. The torches of starving vandals lit up the sky. The bankers huddled to decide on their next move. They decided to hang tough. At the 1877 meeting of the American Bankers Association, the ABA, they urged their membership to do everything in their power to put down the notion of a return to greenbacks. The ABA secretary, James Buell, authored a letter to the members that blatantly called on the banks to... Those greenbacks were Lincoln's greenbacks. They did not the paper dollar that we no, have right today. Now, yeah. Yeah. Not only Congress, but the press. It is advisable to do all in your power to sustain such prominent daily and weekly newspapers especially the agricultural and religious press, as will oppose the greenback issue of paper money. To repeal the act creating banknotes, or to restore to circulation the government issue of money, will be to provide the people with money, and will therefore seriously affect our individual profits as bankers and lenders. See your congressman at once, and engage him to support our interests that we may control legislation. So just a note on those greenbacks, Lincoln issued them, but there was no middleman. And so there was no interest to be had on them. Mm -hmm. And that, that they, the bankers didn't want those in circulation. Right. Political parties advocating a return to greenback money sprang up and ran candidates for Congress and president. In the 1878 elections, 21 independents were swept into Congress, mostly greenbackers. Two years later, in 1880, the American people elected General James Garfield president. Garfield understood how the economy was being manipulated. 
As a congressman, he had been chairman of the Appropriations Committee and was a member of the Banking and Currency Committee. Garfield understood the ability of the very wealthy to manipulate gold money. He investigated the cause of the Black Friday gold market scandal of 1869 when financier Jay Gould and others cornered the gold market causing wild fluctuations in the price. This is a photograph of the actual quote board from the New York gold trading room, which Garfield introduced as evidence during a congressional investigation the following year. This is Garfield's handwriting. After his inauguration, he slammed the money changers publicly in 1881. Whoever controls the volume of money in any country is absolute master of all industry and commerce. And when you realize that the entire system is very easily controlled, one way or another, by a few powerful men at the top, you will not have to be told how periods of inflation and depression originate. So now we have the Federal Reserve. And then they've made friends with other bankers who right. now they've allowed to create money, too, because they got have other men and women in on their con. Mm -hmm. OK, so that's the con. So that's why resistance chicks were making a pivot towards ITM trading, which telling you guys to get out of the paper dollar and get into gold and silver. OK, and if you've got anything in their system to get it out, why have we this has been our heart for a very long time since Michelle was 16 years old and read about it in her homeschool book. OK, but you guys weren't ready. The system wasn't ready. I will just tell you, we weren't ready because yeah. this was a this is a big move to, to, to bring down this system. This is a system on which everything <laughs> else, all the other news we cover is circus news, even Donald Trump. Uh, all of his, all of the, the, the trials against him. Yeah. It's all circuses to keep us off of what they're doing in the background. And they've been doing. Garfield understood, perhaps only coincidentally, however, within a few weeks of making this statement on July 2nd, 1881, he was killed. President Garfield was assassinated. Assassinated on that. After Garfield's assassination, the depression deepened. Just like JFK was when he tried to expose the treasonous cabal. Leaving the unemployed to face poverty and starvation. Produce was left to rot in the fields. The country was facing poverty amidst plenty because there was insufficient money in circulation to keep the wheels of trade turning. Wow. The country sorely needed the sort of liquidity urged by Lincoln and the Greenbackers. But the bankers insisted that allowing the government to print its own money would be dangerously inflationary. That was their argument, but critics called it humbuggery. <laughs> the big bankers finally had complete control of the money supply again by killing off the last competitor to their yellow brick road. Now they had to hold on against the rising anger Literally of killing the average him. America. Free silver, 1888 Bob to 1894. moved his family to Aberdeen, Dakota Territory, to open a general store. Bob sympathized with the local farmers hard hit by the combination of scarce money and a severe drought. Unfortunately, he got so deeply in debt that the bank foreclosed on the store. In 1890, Bob, at age 34, started a local newspaper. It was an election year, and politics was a hot topic in the Midwest. The 1890 congressional elections were a landslide for the Democratic Party. Only 300 miles south of Aberdeen, South Dakota, in Omaha, Nebraska, one of the newly elected congressmen was William Jennings Bryan, the man who would become known as the Lion of the Free Silver Movement. The Lion of the Free Silver Movement. A few years later, Alfred Baum would closely follow the meteoric career of Bryan and even create the character of the Cowardly Lion to symbolize his political career. The year 1890 saw no economic relief in Dakota Territory, so Baum's newspaper folded at the end of the year. 
1891, Baum moved his family to Chicago, where he took a job at the Chicago Evening Post. Meanwhile, back on the national front, the bankers are ready to unleash additional monetary restrictions. Their methods and motives were laid out with shocking clarity in a memo sent out by the American Bankers Association, the ABA, in 1891. Notice that this memo called for bankers to create a depression on a certain date, three years in the future. Here's how it read in part. Note the telling reference to England, home of the mother bank. On September 1st, 1894, we will not renew our loans under any consideration. On September 1st, we will demand our money. We will foreclose and become mortgagees in possession. We can take two-thirds of the farms west of the Mississippi and thousands of them east of the Mississippi oh as well gosh. at it's our so own evil. price. Then the farmers will become tenants as in England. The next and that's year, where we are right now. The panic circular was issued by the American Bankers Association. You think you own a home in a suburb? You pay rent. You pay rent to the bank. It's called a mortgage. And you own no land. You're a tenant. ...and was subsequently published in many newspapers. Thank you, Leah. It urged all national banks throughout the United States to help deepen the money panic. Silver, silver certificates, and treasury bonds, that is to say all the government's money, must be retired, and interest-bearing national banknotes may be only money. You will at once retire one-third of your circulation, your paper money, and call in one-half of your loans. Be careful to make a monetary emergency among your patrons, especially among influential wow. businessmen. The future of our debt-based money system depends upon immediate action, as there is an increasing sentiment in favor of government legal tender notes and silver coinage. That's what the people wanted. The depression Real money. actually began in 1893 with what historians now call the Panic of 1893. It all started when European investors demanded payment only in gold, draining gold reserves in the U.S. Again, America was being forced by the Europeans onto a gold-only money system. The results were as inevitable as before. A deep depression quickly set in as the major holders of gold in Europe choked the life out of the American economy. In total, over 15,000 companies and 500 banks failed, most of them in the West. Unemployment skyrocketed 600%, up to over 18% nationwide by 1894. With the winter of 1894 coming on, untold thousands of farms were foreclosed. There was also more to this story. Um, where Rockefeller helped to fuel this on. And mm -hmm. Rockefeller was part of the banker run as well because the farmers needed to use the railroads um, uh, to move their goods and purchases. And he cornered the market and he took Vanderbilt out. Mm -hmm. And uh, because uh, Vanderbilt would um, want to charge him more for um, uh, transporting his oil. And so he created his own pipelines and basically... He did, in our show, we talk about how, how Rockefeller helped to, to really spur on this, and he got really wealthy in the, the panic of 1893. As a result, Look at that house. had to walk away from recently built homes. It's said that the image of the vacant Victorian haunted house originated from this era. These depressions could be controlled fairly easily with America on the gold standard, and the banks own most of the gold. Since gold is scarce, it is one of the easiest commodities to manipulate. People wanted silver money legalized again so they could escape the stranglehold the money changers had on gold-backed money. People wanted silver money reinstated, reversing Mr. Seds Act of 1873, by then called the crime of 73. Bankers and uh, financial institutions tended to oppose silver as part of the backing of the currency. They didn't have control over the mining and production of silver in the West, and without uh, that control. You'll notice that the previous video, actually, the guy was like, 
those greedy miners taking their silver and wanting to turn it into money. I mean, like, oh, my gosh, who was upset with that? That was the people who owned gold. Oh, wow. Those were the bankers who were upset. All oh, those greedy. You're the they were the greedy ones. They were the one that cornered the market, making it so that nobody had any money to tra make any purchases with. Exactly. They couldn't have the overall control they liked over, over the currency. Most monetary reform advocates today argue that the solution to our current economic woes is a return to a gold standard. This would require that our money be backed by a certain percentage of gold. Interestingly, they use the same terms that bankers of the late 19th century used. So let me explain to you. There is not enough gold in in at all to take the, the paper dollars and go back to a gold standard, which is why they say to be backed by a certain percentage of gold. Right. Is it, there is no, there's no, they've gone, like, they've jumped the shark. You can't take paper dollars and go to a gold standard, by the way. Right. It's impossible. But the fact that they always talk about how they'll be backed by a certain percentage of gold. A truly gold-backed society is when you can take a, a, your it's whatever's immovable. money. No, it's immovable. And you can go in and get gold for it at any moment, any time. Exactly. They call gold-backed money honest money and constitutional money. I, I worked for a gold dealer for a short time. And I would sit there in a room with 40 people calling and trying to sell gold all day long on the phone. And everyone was telling me, get rid of that worthless money and buy the good money. Then it comes to the end of the month and everyone had walked into the office and wanted the bad money for, in their, for their pay. As the depression deepened and big banks continued to buy up farmers' foreclosed properties, a lion emerged out of Nebraska to try to break their deadly chokehold on the American economy. 1896 was a pivotal year in American history. L. Frank Baum was now living in Chicago and deeply interested in politics. But to make a living for his wife and four children, he worked as a traveling salesman. When he was home, he was writing his first children's stories. On the political front, the presidential campaign of 1896 would see the explosive money issue dominate the election. The farmers of the West were sick and tired of the bankers not lending out their gold money. In fact, most of the money that was still in circulation was about $300 million worth of Lincoln's old greenbacks. A That's another part of the documentary where uh, Lincoln had printed, um, I don't know, like one billion greenbacks, and then they uh, they kept they called them in, so they mm -hmm. weren't in circulation. And then when you uh, you know somebody wanted a loan, you couldn't get it. The banker said, "No, I'm not giving you a loan." So they're like, "The money is all mine. You can't have it. You can't use it." And um, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's yeah, exactly. Known former congressman from Nebraska, William Jennings Bryan, ran for president as a Democrat and embraced the free silver issue which the Populist Party had unsuccessfully tried earlier. Brian's father had been an ardent greenbacker. The New York bankers were well aware of the anger and tried to control the 1896 Democratic Convention. An article said to have been published in a banker's magazine of 1892 shows not only their attempts to manipulate the politics of the day, but also their deep contempt for the average American voter whom they refer to as the inferior social stratum of society. Mm. We must go forward cautiously and consolidate each acquired position because already the inferior social stratum of society is giving unceasing signs of agitation. It sounds like Let the basket of deplorables. When through the law of the common people shall have lost their homes, they will be more easy to control and more easy to govern, and they shall not be able to resist the strong hand of the government acting in accordance with the control of the leaders of finance. As the quote continues, notice how they try to manipulate the population into focusing on diversionary political issues. We must keep the people busy with political antagonisms. We will therefore speed up the question of reform of tariffs within the Democratic Party, and we'll put the spotlight on the question of protection for the Republican Party. 
by dividing the electorate this way, we'll be able to have them spend their energies as struggling amongst themselves on questions that for us have no importance whatsoever. I told you that that is their goal, and that's always been their goal, which is why we, we come back to mm -hmm. this as the, the real answer. We cover all those other things because there are issues, and, and we do need to cover them because they do make thing, bad things happen. We have to. It's like the, the tip of the iceberg is still the tip of the iceberg. But we go back to this monetary policy, specifically in the United States, and this is how we, we unwind the problems we're in. Now let's return to the 1896 Democratic Convention. The issues are remarkably similar. William Jennings Bryan represented the embodiment of all the Democrats' wrath against the gold money system. At the Democratic National Convention in Chicago in 1896, Bryan made an emotional speech entitled Crown of Thorns and Cross of Gold. Mm. Bryan's speech was so powerful that it propelled him from relative obscurity to the presidential nomination on the fifth ballot at the tender wow. age of 36. Amazingly, we have Brian's actual voice recreating portions of this famous speech recorded years later with the advent of recording technology. Although the recording does not capture the power of the original moment, it does allow us to hear Brian's voice. I come to speak to you in defense of the cause as holy as the cause of liberty, the cause of humanity. Never before in the history of this country has there been witnessed such a contest as that through which we have just passed. Brian's Sounds recreation like recording then skipped significant portions of his original speech. According to the official proceedings of the Democratic National Convention, Brian continued with these important references to America's monetary history. What we need is an Andrew Jackson to stand as Jackson stood against the encroachments of aggregated wealth. We say in our platform that we believe that the right to coin money and issue money is a function of government. We believe it. We believe it is a part of sovereignty. Those who are opposed to this proposition tell us that the issue of paper money is a function of the bank and that the government ought to go out of the banking business. I stand with Jefferson rather than with them and tell them, as he did, that the issue of money is a function of the government and that the banks should go out of the governing business. Yeah. Remember the 1892 memo from the Bankers Magazine which bragged that they would try to busy the Democrats with the tariff issue? Here's where Brian refers to that very issue. They ask why it is we say more on the money question than we say upon the tariff question. I reply that if protection has slain its thousands, the gold standard has slain its tens of thousands. Mm. When we have restored the money of the Constitution, all that's a reference to David and Saul. And that Bible. until that is done, there is no reform that can be accomplished. However, the gold standard and its 30-year-long restriction on the money supply had become so unpopular that even most Republicans had come out against it. Now, Brian's recording picks back up. They will search the pages of history in vain to find a single instance where the common people of any land have ever declared themselves in favor of the gold standard. They can find where the holders of fixed investments have declared for the gold standard, but not for the masses have. If they dare to come out in the open field and defend the gold standard as a good thing, we will fight them to the uttermost. We will answer their demand for the gold standard by saying to them, you shall not press down upon the bow of labor this crown of thorns. You shall not crucify mankind upon a cross of gold. The bankers were scared. The average American farmer was mad about the lack of a plentiful money supply. Now it looked like they had finally gained sufficient political force to win the highest office in the land and disrupt all the bankers' plans. Mm. As a result, the 1896 campaign was among the most fiercely contested presidential races in American history. Though Bryan was only 36 years old at the time, this speech is widely regarded as the most famous oration ever made before a political convention. 
the McKinley campaign outspent Bryan by a five to one margin. Bryan's strategy was to take his political campaign on the road. Bryan invented the national stumping tour. He made over 500 speeches in 27 states during the four-month campaign, an average of four a day, many of them lasting over two hours. Sounds like somebody you know. Across the Trippy. nation, tens of thousands of Americans rallied around Brian's appearances with torchlight parades. L. Frank Baum's own son wrote that Baum marched in more than one torchlight parade for Brian. The battle became so heated that thousands of miles away in Alaska, the highest mountain in North America, Mount McKinley, was even named for Brian's opponent, Republican William McKinley. It seems that the first gold miner on the mountain, a man named William Dickey, named the mountain in honor of the gold money candidate in retaliation because his many silver mining friends so zealously supported William Jennings Bryan. McKinley got manufacturers and industrialists to inform their employees that if Bryan were elected, all factories and plants would close and there would be no work. The ruse succeeded. McKinley beat Bryan by a small margin. Bryan ran for president again in 1900 and in 1908, but fell short each time. Mm. But the threat his presence presented to the national bankers afforded the Republican alternatives, Roosevelt and Taft, a measure of independence from the bankers. Roosevelt mildly opposed their monopolies, and Taft was unenthusiastic about their proposed central bank legislation that would finally be passed in 1913 as the Federal Reserve Act. Mm. What's crazy the is that um, the parties did a the the bankers did a switch, mm -hmm. so they just needed a patsy. They didn't care who it was. McKinley was their first patsy, and then Democrat Woodrow Wilson was their second patsy. Right. So it didn't matter what party it is. So we have to just break away the idea of Sounds party. Like George W. Or Clinton. Their support to Democrat Woodrow Wilson nine. in 1912. Although William Jennings Bryan never gained the presidency, his efforts delayed the money changers for 20 years from attaining their next goal a new, privately-owned central bank for America, the Federal Reserve. Bryan's defeat in 1896 was a great victory for big bankers. Their yellow brick road had effectively controlled the politics of the nation by squeezing the life out of the money system. Now with the history of money explained, let's take a look at L. Frank Baum, the author of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Here it comes. So who was L. Frank Baum? Lyman Frank Baum was born to wealthy... So before we move on, we're going to get to Lyman Frank Baum in a second, but just so you guys understand, uh, Williams Jennings Bryan was an ardent Christian and an artist creationist, and he was um, the... Uh, he actually was appointed Secretary of State uh, by Woodrow Wilson to... Um, but it didn't really help. But I believe he was the one who argued the uh, Scopes Monkey Trial. Oh, yeah, I think you're right about that. Mm -hmm. parents right here in this house in Chittenango, New York in 1856. This is the house where L. Frank was born. His family lived in this area and had a barrel factory here across the road from the house. Over here. Yes. His father made his fortune in the oil fields of Pennsylvania. In 1880, at age 24, his father built him a theater in Richburg, New York, and Baum set about writing and acting. So that, that does go to the fact that the, 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 um, the Christians kept thinking that they were, they just kept losing. And when they, they lost the Scopes Monkey Trial, and that goes into the end times idea of we're just going to give up, we're going to pull out of politics. Because Christians were heavenly evolved in politics. Right. William Jennings Bryan was an, a, a pastor, he was an orator, he was a Christian. No cross, no crown is where he gets that from, from uh, William Penn, which the is sure the, the cross of gold. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, he 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 drew on Christian imagery and, and, and Christianity and he was the Christian candidate. Yeah. And the satanic candidates were William McKinley uh, and then even Woodrow Wilson, who were, were the bankers put in into play. Right. In Baum's theatrical career met with little success. 
1888, he and his wife, Maud, moved to Aberdeen, Dakota Territory. And this was Baum's way, perhaps, of saying that the farmer, in fact, did understand the basics of economics. And okay, we go. Western farmer. Although he thinks the he doesn't have a brain, the farmer. scarecrow proves to be very clever at figuring things out on the trek to Washington. And this was Baum's way, perhaps, of saying that the farmer, in fact, did understand the basics of economics, mm -hmm. and that uh, an expansion of currency was, in fact, a legitimate way of improving uh, the condition, uh, not only of the farmer, but of the economy as a whole. Next, Dorothy and the Scarecrow meet with the Tin Woodman, Baum's symbol for the factory worker. And what he needed was some oil or liquidity. He needed the liquidity of uh, uh, more money in the system. As Professor Hugh Rockoff of Rutgers University put it in his 1990 article in the Journal of Political Economy, The Tin Woodman had joined the ranks of those unemployed in the Depression of the 1890s, a victim of the unwillingness mm. of the Eastern gold bugs to countenance an increase in the stock of money through the addition of silver. And then there was the lion who represented uh, William Jennings Bryan. Bryan was actually called the lion of the silver movement. He was the leader. Bryan was considered a coward because after his loss in 1896, he backed away from the free silver movement. According to Professor Rockoff, the last character to join the group is the cowardly lion. This is Bryan himself. The sequence is not accidental. Baum is following history and suggesting that the movement was started first by the Western farmers, was joined by the working man, and then, once it was well underway, was joined by Bryan. The roaring lion is a good choice for one of the greatest American workers. So off go the four unlikely companions, headed for Oz along the dangerous yellow brick road in hopes that a powerful wizard will grant Even the Brown was, uh, or, um, Brian was trying to go to Washington. Very first march on yeah, Washington yeah, that of yeah. Coxey's army in 1894 to try to break the Depression. Jacob Coxey was a successful businessman who led a march uh, from the Midwest to Washington, D.C. to seek redress for the economic plight of millions at the time who were suffering during the crisis of uh, the Depression of uh, 1893. He marched with a so-called industrial army. These were just unemployed men. Uh, so this trek is often seen as inspiration behind Dorothy uh, and her group's trek to the Emerald City to seek redress from the Oz or the President of the United States. Coxey was hoping to meet with President Cleveland. However, he was arrested for trespassing, jailed, Whoops. and his movement was dispersed. So all these guys get together and they make a trek towards Washington. And yeah. that is marching and, and she and, and and Dorothy has on the silver slippers. Okay. They're supposed to be silver. They're silver. They're silver slippers and they're she's marching. silver in the book. They're silver slippers. And it, here's the thing, without with the ruby slippers ruin everything. Okay. They're silver slippers. The whole point of the whole wizard of ounce is silver. <laughs> okay. And they're marching on another part that's really interesting is the yellow brick road. The uh scarecrow keeps falling on it and, and tripping on it and it and it's not uh well paved, uh, but he doesn't actually hurt himself on it. Yeah. So gold isn't bad. Right. Okay, that's but you point. need silver and gold. Yeah. Okay. And unfortunately, the bankers of that time were using this, they were using gold. They mm -hmm. were they were taking this. And they were controlling the people with it. Yes. And they were the, the all gold. Uh, the road will go to Washington, where you will have, you know, the everything's green and. Coxy was a greenback, and his idea was simple: the federal government should build public works and pay for them by printing money. At the time, the idea seemed to be the wildest kind of extremism. But given unemployment of 18.4 percent, few modern economists would be prepared to dismiss such a proposal out of hand. On the track to Oz, the cowardly lion falls asleep in a field of poppies. But why poppies? The poppies were representative of the opium wars that Brian was opposed to. 
Poppies are a source of opium. So I just need you guys to understand. At the beginning of this book, some people have said, oh, no, it's just a children's book. It has no allegories. Why does he have... Um, <laughs> why would he have all of these characters getting high in a field of opium? There were literal opium wars happening at the time. Everything in this entire book... And he, he was known as a jokester, by the way. Uh, later on, people would say that he would tell a story, a tall tale to you, and never break a smile and try to get you to believe it. So the very, very beginning of The Wizard of Ounce, or mm -hmm. The Wizard of Oz, he says, this is just, just anybody who wants to know, this is just a children's book. Yeah. Which would be him laughing at everybody, knowing that he called it The Wizard of Ounce yeah. to the Emerald City. Uh, and put all of these allegories into the book, of, including the uh, the poppy fields where everybody falls asleep. Falling asleep in the field of poppies symbolizes the populist fear that Brian would fall asleep in the midst of these new issues. The lion was rescued from this uh, field where he was sleeping by a bunch of little field mice who, it said in the book, uh, alone, of course, they wouldn't have been able to move this giant, giant lion. But when they all got together, they were able to, to move them together. So this was like a... So they were worried that uh, that Brian would fall asleep. The, ca right. the coward lion would fall asleep, and all the people represent the field mice. Right. Excellent image of the populist movement, how uh, a lot of people who had no power in themselves or alone, if they knew the direction in which they wanted to go, could move mountains, you know, could actually have a major impact. There's a great deal of symbolism in the, in the book that was lost in the movie. That There's just so much of it that there's no way that it couldn't have... Uh, been reflective of this monetary reform movement. And some, some of it is just very pointed, like it couldn't mean anything else. For instance, there's one passage, when they get to Oz and she's shown to her room in the palace, she goes through seven passages and up three flights of stairs. Well, it just means nothing unless it means, it's, it means the crime of 73, which to all, to all populace meant that statute, which had revoked the ability of the people to bring their own silver to the mint. It is not surprising that the layout of the Emerald Palace should reflect the numbers seven and three. The crime of 73 was a crucial event in populist monetary history. The two wicked witches were the uh, East and the West. The two banking powers at that time were uh, Rockefeller and Morgan. And uh, J.P. Morgan uh, headed the Wall Street bankers in New York and ultimately got his funding from uh, Europe. The wicked witch of the West could represent the Rockefeller interest. Based in Cleveland, based in the Midwest, Rockefeller was dominant in the West and Morgan was dominant in the East. So when uh, Dorothy first lands in her house and kills the, the witch. She gets the slippers, which are the power, actually the power of the witch. No use to you. Give them back to me. Give them back. Keep tight inside mm. of them. Their magic must be very powerful, or she wouldn't want them so badly. Okay, so I'm going to stop that. That's the whole point of this 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 book, okay? So Dorothy gets taken up in this vortex, in this tornado. There's more imagery around that. We'll get to that uh, in a minute. Uh, and her house Keep lands talking. on the Wicked Witch of the East, okay? Mm -hmm. The Wicked Witch of the East has these slippers. The slippers are silver. So the Wicked Witch of the West is there and says, give me those slippers. Give yeah. me those slippers. They want silver. He, they wanted the power of silver. Do not let the people have the silver. Do not put the silver on the people. Do not let the people have that silver. Okay? That's in the power of controlling that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you can go back to the documentary. You should be able to in just one second. Okay. What did we do? Was the audio off? Yes, it was echoing. Oh, shoot. For how long? For the whole thing, but it was just a small echo, Scott said. Okay. And I was fixing it. And now we froze. And now we froze. Oh, Lord I have mercy on myself. I can come back, though. 
I love my life. Hang on, we might come back. Wait, give it a second. Yes, Jesus, thank you. I asked for Hang Lord on, to have mercy. Wait, let's see. Let's see. We just need a screen share. And we're going to get there. I think I fixed the thing, though. The okay. The little echo. Oh, thank you. Okay, great. Perfect. Thank you, Jesus. So the power of the witch is the power to create money. Her Dorothy one. doesn't realize that she now has that power on her own feet, the power to that. create money. Oh, yeah. Dorothy and her troop are then told that they must go kill the Wicked Witch of the West. Bring me the broomstick of the Witch of the West. But, 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 but if we do that, we'll have to kill it again. She hurls near-biblical plagues at the group, wolves and crows and black bees, all of which they defeat. Finally, she is forced to use her golden cap, another symbol of the gold standard. So that's not something you see in the movie. Right. She had a golden cap in the book, and she uses it twice. Uh, you don't, it doesn't get any, it doesn't get any crazier than that. She also, when she calls the monkeys, has a silver whistle. Of the winged monkeys, which capture the group. Dorothy eventually kills the witch by pouring a bucket of water on her, suggesting the liquidity that silver money would add to the economy. Liquid. Breaking she pours a liquid water on the witch, and when liquidity, the silver, they just needed liquidity. They just needed to have money. They just needed to take what they have and turn it into money so they could, so they could buy and sell and trade. In the stranglehold of the banker's gold money system. With additional liquidity, the economic fortunes of those people can be improved. People wanted government-issued money, silver in this case. The banks had forced America onto a gold money standard. Then they could cause a depression anytime they wanted to, merely by reducing the supply of gold money. When they return victorious to the wizard, Dorothy is asked to sew the wizard's getaway balloon out of green cloth. Then the wizard accidentally leaves without her. Fortunately, Dorothy is able to seek out Belinda, the good witch of the North. Oh, will you help me? Can you help me? Dorothy is then told that the power to solve her problems has been with her all along. She only needs to click the heels of her silver shoes together three times. Like Dorothy, America silver. itself has supposed the power to, be silver. to solve its problems simply by expanding I mean, the, red the looks money supply, government-issued silver money. When Dorothy finally gets back to Auntie Em and Uncle Henry in Kansas, she finds that the silver shoes have fallen off her feet, just as the silver issue was vanishing in the late 1890s. And Baum was right. The silver cause would become a distant memory once the United States became firmly committed to the gold standard with the passage of the Gold Standard Act in 1900, the same year The Wonderful Wizard of Oz was published. L. Frank Baum never admitted embedding the symbols of monetary reform in The Wizard of Oz. Consequently, some fans vehemently deny that there is any connection. However, the period immediately after the book's release may offer some helpful clues regarding his motives. References to current affairs appear in a number of Baum's later works. In 1901, Baum worked on a comic opera entitled The Octopus or the Title Trust. This was while he was still trying to break away from writing any additional Oz books. However, the public pressure became too great as The Wizard of Oz continued to grow in popularity. Eventually, Baum appeared to lose all interest in politics as he became wealthy from having written of course he what did. would become the most popular children's story in history. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pause that there, and he goes on to um, some of the solutions. And I'm going to go back to The Wizard of Oz and just kind of go over a few of these things. So Dorothy uh, and Toto of Kansas. So Dorothy, the protagonist of the story, represents an individualized idea of the American people. She is eat each of us at our best, but self-respecting, guileless, but level-headed, wholesome, but plucky. 
She is akin to the everyman, or in modern uh, parlance, the girl next door. Dorothy lives in Kansas, where virtually everything, the treeless prairie, prairie, the sun-beaten grass, the paint-stripped house, and even Aunt Em and Uncle Henry is a dull, drab, lifeless gray. The grim depiction reflects the forlorn condition of Kansas in the late 1880s and 90s when a combination of scorching droughts, severe winters, and an invasion of grasshoppers reduced the prairie to an uninhabitable wasteland. The result for farmers and all who depended on agriculture for their livelihood was devastating. Many ascribed their misfortune to the natural elements, called it quits, and moved on. Others blamed the hard times on the bankers, the railroads, and various middlemen who seemed to profit at the farmer's expense. Angry victims of the Kansas calamity also took aim at the politicians, who often appeared indifferent to their plight. Around these economic and political grievances, the populist movement coalesced. In the late 1880s and 90s, populism spread rapidly through the Midwest and into the South. But Kansas was always the site of its most popular and radical elements. In 1890, the populist candidates began winning seats in state legislatures and Congress, and two years later, populists in Kansas gained control of the lower house of the state assembly, elected a populist governor, and sent a populist to the U.S. Senate. The twister that carries Dorothy to Oz, or Ounce, symbolizes the populist cyclone that swept across Kansas in the early 1890s. Baum, the writer... Uh, was not the first to use the metaphor. Mary E. Lease, who some people think could be Dorothy, but I don't quite think it was. she was, I don't know, maybe. A fire-breathing populist orator was often referred to as the Kansas Cyclone. She would have been, and the Free Silver Movement was often linked to a political whirlwind that had taken the nation by storm. Although Dorothy does not stand for lease, Baum did give her, in the stage version, the last name Gale, mm -hmm. a further pum on the like cyclone. A Storm, yeah, Dorothy Gale, Gale. Force wind, uh, Dorothy Gale. Yeah, I'm picking it the up. The name of uh, Dorothy's down. canine companion. This is interesting. Is Toto is also a pun, a play on teetotaler. The prohibitionists were among the populist's most faithful allies, and the populist hope William Jennings Bryan was himself a dry, a teetotaler. So here comes Toto. Dorothy embarks on the yellow brick road. Toto trots soberly. Quote from the book behind her. Toto, the teetotaler's. Toto, teetotaler. Yeah. When like Dorothy's uh, twister tossed house comes to rest in Oz, it lands squarely on the Wicked Witch of the East, killing her instantly. The startled girl merges from the abode to find herself in a strange land of remarkable beauty, whose inhabitants, the Munchkins, rejoice at the death of the what witch. What do the Munch do? Is there a symbolism for the Munchkins? Yes, the witch represents Eastern financial industrial interests and their gold standard political allies, the main targets of the popular populist venom. Midwestern farmers often blame their woes on the nefarious practices of Wall Street bankers and the captains uh, of industry, whom they believe were engaged in a conspiracy to enslave, quote-unquote, Quote, the little people. So literally, the they put little, the little people. Oh my in. gosh, the little people. So he puts in munchkins. He calls them the munchkins no, rather than the little people. You don't. Yeah. Leah. So instead of oh here, welcome to little people land. It's just munchkin land. It literally goes to the thesaurus and say, what can I do instead of little people? Munchkins. Munchkins is in the thesaurus. No. Well, I don't know, but that's what he did. He's like, I'm going to put some little people. Did in he there. make that word up? I don't know. Just as the Wicked Witch of the East had enslaved the Munchkins, populist, the little people, the little people, the little people, the populist viewed establishment politicians, including presidents, as helpless pawns or willing accomplices. Had not President Cleveland bowed to Eastern bankers by repealing the Silver Purchase Act in 1893, thus further restricting much-needed credit? Had not McKinley, prompted by the wealthiest industrialist Mark Hanna, uh, made the gold standard the centerpiece of his campaign against Bryan and Free Silver? It is apt, then, that Dorothy acquires the Witch of the East silver shoes at the behest of the Good Witch of the North, 
who stands for the electorate of the upper Midwest, where populism gained considerable support. Later in the story, good witches are identified with the color white. Silver is known as the white metal. Oh. Still, for all her goodness, the, wicked, the witch of the north, like the voters of the upper Midwest, is no match for the malign forces of the east. Her tender kiss on Dorothy's forehead, electoral support notwithstanding. The death of the wicked witch, however, is cause for rejoicing for the little people. Owing to the destruction <laughs> of the eastern power, are now free. All along, the munchkins were vaguely aware that their bondage was somehow linked to those silver shoes. But the shoes' precise power was never known. Similarly, although Wall Street and the Eastern Establishment understood silver's power, common farmers knew very little of monetary matters. And bimetallism failed to resonate with Eastern workers who voted against Bryant in droves. After Dorothy and her companions reach Emerald City, the wizard sends them to kill the Wicked Witch of the West. This witch is also a cruel enslaver, and she appears to represent a composite of aligned forces of nature that plagued farmers in the Midwest and the power brokers of that region, and I would say Rockefeller as well. The former menace is mirrored in the witch's dominion, which recalls the parched plains of western Kansas and by the ferocious wolves, the ravenous crows, and the venomous bees that she sends to destroy Dorothy and her friends. Each predator is summoned by blowing on a silver whistle, another example of a malicious use of the white metal. When the witch's minions are themselves destroyed, she calls on the winged monkeys through a magic of a golden cap. He just uses so much symbology, it's it's great, crazy. The cap had already been used twice. Once to enslave the Winkies, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, it's not in the movie. And again to drive the wizard out of the West. Patent injustices committed through the power of gold. Yet in summoning the monkeys, the witch exhausts the cap's charm. And the flying um, simians, who had been forced to assist in her evil deeds, are liberated. The power of gold actually proves finite and illusionary. And it requires the coexistence of silver to sustain its power. No wonder the Wicked Witch is so keen on to possess, possess Dorothy's silver shoes. The malign manipulation of gold and silver by the Wicked Witch represents the other half of the Western menace, the self-interested juggling of metal currency by the Western nebobs. The McKinley of Ohio, for example, supported the Sherman Silver Purchase Act of 1890, voted for its repeal in 1893, hmm. and made the gold standard the cornerstone of his 1896 presidential bid. Mark Hanna, also of Ohio, served as McKinley's campaign manager and close advisor, and he was widely viewed as the, as the Richelieu behind the throne, basically the ventriloquist. Vilified by the populace, Hanna had uh, William Allen White's scathing attack on the populace. And it's very interesting. I read this to Matt this today. He goes, he, William, he knew that name. William Allen White was a very was a famous Kansas journalist, wow. and he wrote a he wrote a scathing attack on the populace, his fellow Kansans, that says, "What's the matter with Kansas?" Wow! And it circulated throughout the country during the campaign. So he writes this book based in Kansas because the, the William McKinley and his um his his uh campaign manager circulated an article that said, "What's the matter with Kansas and these populists and their silver." They're crazy silver. Do you see all the symbolism coming oh, together? Oh, I'm feeling it. Yeah. Not surprisingly, the wizard requires the death of the Wicked Witch of the West before he will grant Dorothy's party its witches. The 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 the, the wizard in the book is way more selfish, by the way. <laughs> he uh, was such a little, like, I mean, malleable little man in the movie. Yeah, but in the book, he said, in, in the book, you come to me and nobody gets any wishes from me unless the they give something to me. Powerful. They have to give something to me first. 
Yeah. The and that's that's I'm totally reading the book. Popular. That's the um, that's what polit- politicians do. The witch's demise by water ends her evil reign, liberates her slaves, and restores the silver shoe that she had stolen from Dorothy. In one fell swoop, the parched lands are watered, the farmers are free, the silver is returned to its rightful owner, the people. No. The fourth witch, Glinda of the uh, Glinda of the South is a good witch who, unlike her northern counterpart, understands the power of Dorothy's silver shoes. In 1896, Bryan's Democrat populist ticket carried the South, and some of the strongest silverites in Congress were from the South, whereas northern support for Bryan and free silver was more moderate. In Oz, ounce, <laughs> the, the the citizens of the South, the quad, this is a, they were called the quadlings, are described as an odd race who never traveled to the Emerald City and disliked strangers traveling across their land. Not since the 1860s had a Southerner served as president, and immigrants and Northerners were generally unwelcome in the South. Moreover, the road to the land of the Quadlings is perilous and rife with dangers. For those who were different, including residents blacks in the South, could be a dangerous place indeed. In the hope that the wizard will help her free help her return to Kansas, Dorothy embarks on the yellow brick road to Emerald City. After traveling several miles, she encounters a scarecrow who does not know know anything because he has no brains at all. Mm. The brainless scarecrow represents the Midwestern farmers whose years of hardship and subject to ridicule uh, have been the subjection of ridicule and created a sense of inferiority and self-doubt. Populist leaders such as William Peffer and sockless Jerry Simpson were often portrayed as deluded simpletons who failed to understand the true cause of their economic plight. The populist stupidity was also attested by their apocalyptic rhetoric, conspiracy theories, and radical agenda. Sound familiar? Which included nationalization of the railroads, gradual income tax, and the uh, unlimited coinage of silver. Critics scoffed at their overblown rants, mocked their paranoid style, and dismissed their simplistic nostrums as basically just socialist hayseeds. The picture of the scarecrow is not one-sided. His conduct on the journey through Oz is marked by common sense, resilience, and uh, rectitude. He is not so dumb after all. As we learn to the end of the story, the scarecrow uh, farmer had brains all along and perhaps brain enough to grasp the true cause of his misery and the basics of monetary policy. On the trek through the forest, where the road is road is in despair in dis- disrepair, the scarecrow stumbles and falls on the hard yellow bricks, a reference to the populist claim that the gold standard had a damaging impact on farmers and the people at large. Still, the scarecrow is never hurt by his falls, which suggests that yellow metal was not the real culprit culprit of the farmer's woes Mm. proceeding down the road the doer encountered the tin woodman once healthy and productive the woodman was cursed by the wicked witch of the east lost his dexterity and accidentally hacked off his limbs each lost appendage was replaced until the uh, with tin until the woodman was entirely of metal in essence the witch of the east big business reduced the woodman to a machine and a humanized worker with no longer feels and doesn't have a heart Mm. As such, the Tin Man represents the nation's workers, and particularly the industrial workers with whom the populace hoped to make common cause. His rusted condition parallels the prostrated condition of labor during the Depression of the 1890s. Like many workers, we saw depression was at eight, or, or unemployment was at 18%. Like many workers of that period, the Tin Man is unemployed. Yet with a few drops of oil, he is able to resume his customary labors, a remedy akin to the pump priming measures that the populace advocated. Having liberated the Tin Man, the trio proceeds through the forest only to be accosted by a roaring lion. He is none other than William Jennings Bryan, the Nebraska representative of Congress and later the Democratic presidential candidate of 1896 and 1900. Bryan also rhymes with lion, uh, was known for his roaring rhetoric and was occasionally uh, portrayed in the press as a lion and was the populist party itself. 
Uh, Brian adopted the free silver mantra and won the popular support in his first race against McKinley. Like the Lion of Oz, Brian was the last to, quote, join the party. His defeat in the general election was largely owing to his failure to win, win the support of Eastern workers, just as the Lion's Claws, quote unquote, could make no impression on the Tin Man. Wow. That's from the book. That's good. The Lion's Claws could make no impression on the Tin Man. We couldn't get to the industrial people. We couldn't get them out. Uh, although Brian's supporters considered him courageous, his critics thought him cowardly for opposing war with Spain in 1898 and the subsequent annexation of the, uh, the Philippines. Yet for anti-imperialists who counted many populists among their ranks, Brian's unpopular stand was courageous indeed. And uh, John uh, or, um, Jim uh, Dunn put in the chat, he was against the entrance of World War One. Less courageous, however, was were his final decision to vote for annexation. Uh, I'll bet a tactical move. Still the line without knowing that he possessed he possesses courage, really does. Near the end of the story, he slays a spider-like monster that is terrorizing the animals in the forest. That's the story I was talking about. The predatory beast symbolizes the great trusts and corporations that were thought to dominate economic life at the turn of the century. Cast as the chief villains in the populist drama, the trusts were also portrayed as monsters of one kind or another. Sockless Jerry Simplin called the railroads a giant spider that controlled our commerce and transportation. And the author of Coins Financial School, the leading silver tract of the 1890s, represented the Rothschild's money, we talked about this, as an octopus. We've seen that picture several times. Baum himself, the writer, uh, used the monopoly as octopus metaphor in a number of later works, by the way, including a um, specific reference to standard oil. So he he was constantly writing mm. political satire so, and so, allegories. So is, let's just insert this real quick. Meaning... A guy that's totally involved in everything that's happening in this world is mm -hmm. not about to write something like this with on a, in his free time it, 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 that doesn't have meaning. Right, it's not going to happen. Right, exactly. Um, breaking up the trust and 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 he did he admitted to the rest of them afterwards. Uh -huh. Of course, I'm talking about feminism. Of course, I'm talking about populism. Of course, I even mentioned Standard Oil and Rockefeller. Yeah, that's you know he's putting his life into hundred percent. Yeah. Um, uh, Brian favored busting, if not outright, nationalization of the trust. Accordingly, the lion attacks and kills the great beast by knocking off its head. Freed from the eight-legged monster, the grateful forest dwellers vow fealty to the conquering lion. Would not the populace have done likewise if Brian had actually defeated McKinley and slain mm -hmm. the trust? Yeah. Okay, another scrape with the menacing beast uh, re re uh, capitulates the metaphor. When a great yellow wildcat lights upon the queen of the field mice, the tin man decapitates the feral feline with a single swing of his axe. I'm for, definitely reading the book because this is not in the movie. For delivering the queen from her, quote, enemy, enemy, the mice pledge obedience to the tin man. Their first act of servants is to rescue the lion from the deadly poppy fields where the powerful scent of the flowers has felled the king of the beast. The diminutive rodents represent the common people, and the yellow cat is another reference to the malign power of gold. By killing the wild cat, the tin man symbolically slays the chief enemy of the people. The timely support of the mice parallels the importance of the common folk. The winged monkeys, the unwilling minions of the Witch of the West, mm. add a further dimension to the Oz allegory. These creatures represent the Plains Indians. As the monkey's leader relates, this is what he says in the book. We were a free people living happily in the great forest, flying from tree to tree, eating nuts and fruit and doing just as we please without calling anybody master. The monkey king admits to having engaged in a degree of mischief, but nothing to justify the harsh treatment wow. the monkeys received when, quote, Oz came out of the clouds to rule over this land. Guys, it's totally an allegory. The monkeys were initially sequestered, a reference to the government's reservation policy. Later, they were forced to do the bidding of the Western witch who commands them with a gold cap. 
Yet the monkeys are not inherently bad. They have become so only through the unnatural force of evil. The scenario parallels the view of reformers who blame the Indians' condition on the whites' inhumane practices. Uh, Dorothy's benevolent influence, the monkeys are kind and helpful and, as they say, assimilated. Um, this is interesting. This is not in the movie, but this is in the book. Chinatown and the well Yellow Winkies. So on the jury to find Glenda, the good witch of the South, Dorothy has and company pass through the dainty China country, which they enter by climbing over a high white wall. China in its Great Wall are the obvious references, but what does China have to do with the Gilded Age politics? First, China was in the process of being divided by the great powers, including the United States, into spheres of influence for the purpose of commercial exploitation. In 1899 and 1900, Secretary of State John Hay issued the famous Open Door Notes in an effort to prevent rival nations from gaining unfair economic advantages in China. Second, the Celestial Kingdom was the only major nation still on the silver standard. Mm -mm. So you had to go over the white wall mm -hmm. to, to get to China, which was over the silver. And it's, it is apt then that the dainty China country's wall and floor are white, the color of silver bouillon. That's Third, good. yellow brick road, white mm -hmm. wall. Okay. Uh, third, the lion's careless destruction, what happens in the book is, is the, the lion des uh, destroys a, a China church, uh, echoes the territorial breakup of China by foreign intruders. And there was active proselytizing by Christian missionaries. I don't know if he feels that that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, bomb, I don't know that he was a Christian. Finally, the China princess who rejects Dorothy's invitation to visit Kansas resembles the Dowager Empress who strongly opposed the foreign presence in China. The last two parallels recall, recall the anti-imperialism that Brian and others champion. Another anti-imperialist theme appears in the form of the Winkies, called Yellow, because like they reside in the land of the West. Okay. The Winkies, who are forced to work with, uh, for the Witch of the West, represent the Yellow Man of Asia and especially the Chinese migrants and native Filipinos. Oh, wow. For decades, the Chinese had immigrated to the well, Far West Well, maybe that's why they make it in the film. Yeah. Uh, in uh, labor in various capacities. Given their exotic appearance, clannish habits, and willingness to work for low wages, they were often targets of abuse, discrimination, and even murder. Under pressure from the authorities in California, Congress passed the Exclusive Act in 1882 mm. and banned Chinese migrants for 20 years. Okay, so Chinese migrants were banned during the time of writing, he's writing this book. Okay. Uh, the Winkies uh, also resemble the Filipinos, who, after their country's annexation by the United States, found themselves once more subjected to Western power. Demands for independence were denied on the grounds that the Filipino were, people were unfit for self-government. The assumption that the United States knew what was best for the natives was satirized in Baum's original script of the stage version of Oz. This is in his stage version of Oz, where the Scarecrow remarks, It isn't the people who live in the country who knows the most about it. Look at the Filipinos. Everybody knows about their country more than they do. More about their country. More about their country than they do. So The Wizard of Oz, is it, that's the, your, a huge tell that it was totally a political book. 100%. Okay, political move. So the land of Oz, with its varied landscape and diverse inhabitants, is a microcosm of America. And Emerald City, its center and seat of government, represents Washington, D.C. In an effort to be made whole, Dorothy and her band travel to the capital to see the wizard who presumably has the power to grant them their wishes. The journey to the Emerald City corresponds to the populist effort to acquire power in Washington. We talked about this. They actually marched to Washington, um, AT, uh, and, and it was called Coxey's Army. It was led by a successful businessman who urged the government to fund public works programs uh, and alleviate unemployment. Coxey, who hoped to meet with President Clinton, was actually arrested. <laughs> Sound familiar? Uh, <laughs> turn six, anybody? Uh, the wizard who can take on any form he wishes, take on any form he wishes. Why is he putting that in there? 
represent the politicians of the era, especially the presidents of the Gilded Age. Given the even division of Democrats and Republicans and the razor-thin majorities of most presidential elections, candidates rarely took clear stands on any issue. As a result, voters often had difficulty determining what candidates stood for. Um, again, you've got William McKinley, who voted for silver and against silver. Um, the wizard fits the description. Who For who the real Oz is, Dorothy is informed, no living person can tell. Wow. You can't tell who a, per- who a politician is. No living person can tell. Why has he put that in there? That's not in the movie. No one, that, that, these are really deep metaphorical ideas. Yeah. Indeed, when the foursome entered the throne room, the wizard appears to each in a different form. Mm. That's not in the movie either. That's what happens when politicians um, come to you at a different, a different... And then he says, I never grant favors without something in return. Politicians are also infamous for failing to keep their promises. And the Great Oz is no different. When Dorothy's party returns after killing the Wicked Witch of the West, the wizard keeps them waiting, then puts them off by accident. The all-powerful wizard is exposed and his true identity is revealed. Far from a mighty magician, Oz the Terrible is merely a humbug, a wizened old man whose power is achieved through elaborate acts of deception. The wizard is a, is simply a manipulative politician who appears to the people in one form but works behind the scenes to achieve his true ends. Such figures are terrified at being exposed. The wizard cautions Dorothy to lower her voice. Remember that? Quiet, quiet. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell mm-hmm. anybody. Okay? Uh, lest he be discovered and ruined. You ruined me. You ruined me. Yes. That's what happens. As it turns out, the wizard hails from Omaha, where he became a talented ventriloquist and later a circus balloonist. Brian was from Nebraska, was famous for his hot air oratory, and in the minds of his critics was something like a circus ringmaster. Uh, Nebraska was also a bastion of populism and Omaha the site of a 1892 populist national convention. Identification of the wizard, um, I just feel like that kind of goes with um, the politicians. All right, now money. The land of Oz is colorful, to say the least. The wonderful Wizard of Oz is replete with references of gold and silver and green. Those are the those are the colors. Okay, the number of these references has been already noted, but the story makes several others. The references to gold and silver echoed the prominence of monetary monetary politics of the 1890s, especially the bimetallic crusade led by Bryan and the populace. Moreover, gold and silver are often portrayed as working in combination. The witch of the West conjures her minions with a silver whistle and a golden cap, and the Tin Man receives a new axe made of gold and silver. Mm-hmm. Why? 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 Why is his axe made of gold and silver? It's only in the book, though, and that's what's frustrating. I know, right? How would if we if all of this was in the movie, it, it, we'd have known it. Yeah. Okay. And then, as well, the new oil can has has gold and silver in it too. No, it doesn't. It does. Get out of town. No, it's too. It's too in your face. I'm reading the book. A, a, an axe head is going to be made of like steel or yeah. something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not going to be made of. Nobody makes an axe head of gold and silver. Nobody makes an oil can of gold and silver. Okay, so gold and silver are what oil the Tin Man. Gold and silver are what Mm -hmm. give the the scarecrow the the axe to to destroy things, right? right? Um, So those are two. Those are just absolutely off the charts. I'm convinced. If it done, okay. Of course, I'm there. The Wizard of Ounce. (laughs) Okay, of course there is Dorothy on her sojourn through Ounce. Her silver (laughs) shoes tinkling merrily on the hard yellow roadbed. The word OZ itself is the abbreviation for ounce or gold and silver. Uh, green is often the common is often in combination with gold. 
is a reoccurring image. Then, as in now, green was the color of paper money. The greenback party, the precursor to the populace, advocated the expansion of the money supply via increased circulation of greenbacks. Jacob Coxley was a greenbacker, as was James B. Weaver, the populist presidential nominee of 1892. Most of the green imagery in Oz is general in nature and does not appear to indicate specific parallels. Toto wears a green collar that fades to white, silver. Why? He later receives a collar of gold, as does the lion. What? You know, in the Emerald City, everybody is required to wear green glasses and golden bands so that nearly everything appears in resplendent green. The lion's liquid resplendent resplendent green. Sorry. The lion's liquid courage is poured from a green bottle into a gold green dish. And the wizard balloon is patched with green silk of various shades. As the spectacles create an illusion, the liquid courage is only a placebo and the balloon is merely is mere patchwork. So the demand for paper money is exposed as um not it's not going to work right for the for the farmer's woes at the end of the story the scarecrow supplants the wizard as the ruler of the emerald city did you know that no the tin woodman is made master of the west ah. and the lion is placed over the animals of the forest dorothy transports her, transports herself back to kansas clicking her silver shoes three times all this is achieved with the help of glinda the good witch of the south the message populism is triumphant the goal of gaining political power is achieved or is it Neither the scarecrow nor the tin man nor the lion truly lacked what each believed he was missing. The great wizard's power proved illusioner, just to be an illusion. And Dorothy had the power to transform her condition all along. These features of the story point to a more ambivalent result. Indeed, populism's outright failure is suggested when Dorothy's silver shoes actually fall off in the desert and are, quote, lost forever. Huh. After Bryan's defeat in 1896, the free silver movement went into rapid decline. McKinley's re-election and the statutory adoption of the gold standard in 1900 spelled political oblivion for the populist. Um, so this particular story written during a time when I believe um, is the foundation of what went wrong in our nation. But as we have covered so much from the Rockefellers, the Carnegies and Morgans, what the big guys were doing, what was going on with the people? You know, and this is, you said this something earlier today to me. You said this, the, um, the overthrow of the election with William, William Jennings Bryan. Mm-hmm. By McKinley, who was assassinated, by the way, and somebody put in the chat like maybe it was God protecting him. I don't, I don't think so. I don't, well, you weren't saying that exactly, but that's kind of what I got. You know, maybe it was, maybe it was for the, for the best that he wasn't actually because he would have been killed too. McKinley was killed because the people were upset at what was they were like losing money and the the people were not doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why McKinley was killed. They, people would have been doing okay if 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 Brian had been elected. Mm-hmm. But you said that this um, upset. Is the best we'll use. This upset with with Brian is one of the uh, greatest unstole, untold stories of America. It is. Imagine, if you will, with me, one hundred years from now, mm-hmm. and Trump is not known by anyone. Yeah, they don't even know his name. Mm-hmm. They don't know what happened in twenty twenty, and he's completely wiped from history. Yeah, that is the equivalent of what has happened with mm-hmm. William Jennings Bryan, which is why it's so important for us to tell this story yeah. because what we're doing here in Revelation Red Pill. And I'm going to post that article that I really, that was just so detailed. It's the from USA Gold. I'm, what we're doing, really what we've been article. doing for 42 weeks now in Revelation Red Pill. On Rumble. 
is exposing the lies mm-hmm. that have happened through history mm-hmm. that have landed us where we are at today, not advancing right. the kingdom of right. God right. as we are supposed to, right. which is depicted in the Our Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in right. heaven. Thy right. kingdom come, thy will be done. Right. So it is our job. Yeah to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. So how do we do it when the church for the past 100 or 150 years has gotten so far off the golden, the the yellow brick road? Mm -hmm. We have to get back to the yellow brick road. And and we do that by exposing and talking about what has happened throughout history Mm -hmm. with these stories that have been conveniently swept under the rug. Because Mm -hmm. if people really knew the, Mm -hmm. uh, the meaning of the Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. and this story and, and how it actually depicted what was happening at the yeah. time, they might actually try to make a change and get back to and, and stop with the, oh, we can't go back to gold and silver. It's too hard. It's this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. How did we get here? Yeah. Uh, Chris says, don't make deals with wizards of any kind. There's always more to the story. Minkle says, makes you wonder what else they have wiped from history. I also felt like, and this wasn't in any articles I had read, but going to the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. So when I think of wizardry, alchemy comes to mind. Yes. And alchemy is the turning of any uh, raw material, basically, into gold. Yeah. It's witchcraft. And so, yeah, the, the whole book is based on what I would call showing showcasing the witchcraft showcasing witchcraft that um the wizard it was no wizard at, at all had Amen. no power um but there was strange power yeah. wizard like power that i do believe demonically Amen. controlled with that's hang on minute in the east and the west just wait yeah leah okay because we never liked the wizard of oz right film no, because it was, it was witchcrafty. So witchcrafty. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, the fact that he's using witchcraft mm-hmm. to depict what they're doing is spot on exactly. because it's demonic. Right. That I didn't catch that from what you were mm-hmm. throwing down. Mm-hmm. Not until just like right now. I get it. I mean, there's the good witches too. Yeah, but I'm there, just but yeah, saying. Yeah, I, I'm, it's witchcraft. It's witchcraft. It's witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Ba- like bar none. Mm-hmm. It is. It boils down to alchemy, lies, deceit, theft, treachery, like all of these things. Well, all satanic. And speaking of treachery, so the Wizard of Oz really doesn't have any power, and he wants um, the witches of the East and the West to be killed. And so once the witch in the East is killed, he gets excited. So he wants them to go kill. I mean, this is not a kid's book, by the way. Yeah. It's not a kid's book. The wizard goes. And so they want the populace. See, here's the thing. You think all these guys are on the same team. Uh Uh-oh. They're not on the same team. Right. They're not. These politicians do not want to be controlled. Mm -hmm. Epstein's client list came out today. And everybody's talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, these guys don't want. The, the 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 witches of the right and the and the west and the, and the and the east. To so, are you saying there's some people on there that we would be like, uh oh? I don't know. I haven't looked into it. I, I've okay. been I'm in on this all day. And because this like, is important, Temple's talking about it. And there's so much going on right now. Uh, there's the uh, uh, the military declaration with Doc Pete. So, and, speaking of which, though, yeah, Scott has Pete on right now. Oh wow! Awesome. Live on Bards of War. But I smiled a minute ago. Jack, who you spell your name exactly like my uncle Jack, which not many people do without the K. Jack in here says, this is important. I will catch the bars of war on replay. So you, Jack skipped out on Scott mm. for this. Yeah. Jack, 
I love you, man. Yeah. Thank you. I'm literally going to tell Scott that you said that. Yeah. But you can go. You can go and watch it on replay. Yeah. Uh, so we are not in Kansas anymore, Toto. We are not in Kansas anymore, Toto. 2024. We are not in Kansas anymore. Mom says the coinage act of 1792 put people in their place. It takes guts of anyone to base his gold and silver. In other words, whoever does does these shenanigans is a felon, and uh, the person preach it, death. Mama. Yeah. Preach it. My mom came out and she was like, Michelle, did you watch this yet? The whole documentary. And I'm like, Mom, I haven't had time. She's like, I could not wait for you to wake up to tell you to go and watch this. It's important. So important. We made a whole Revelation Red Pill about it. It is. So do you, did you put the actual documentary in the chat so that people can go watch it? Oh, let's uh, let's do that right now. This the is Secret a, of Oz. Mm -hmm. That's what it's called. The Secret of Oz. It's There's on BitChute. There's more Shoot. to it. Yeah. I'm not going to say I agree with it. They, they want more um, state-issued green paper. That's all right. Um, but They're not going to get it right. They're not going to get it all right. Yeah, I just felt like this summed up and really put together. I feel like the Lord is teaching us all. And a great teacher will build upon what you just learned. Okay? So you've got shop class 101. Yeah. We're going to learn how to use a chop saw. Yes. Okay. Then we're going to learn how to use a router. Mm. Then we're going to learn how to use a circular saw. Okay. So you you're would gonna... start with the circular saw. Okay. That's fine. I'm just saying if I was doing a shop class. All right. Well, you're going to learn how to do a scroll saw then. All mm -hmm. right. There you go. All right. So you're going to learn how to use these tools and build upon one another. And because we, um, we didn't learn this stuff in history, we can't absorb it all in one night. That's right. So now we know these characters, and now we are all more familiar with William you know Jennings Bryan do? than book club. 99% book of all people. club. Yeah, okay. Read the book, come together, and we'll discuss it. Come together. We do like right a Zoom. Now. If Wizard I could, of Oz Zoom. Yeah, I got a problem, though. This I, is, let me tell you just I don't finish books. I start them. Matt, get over here. Is he out? He's somewhat. Hi. Watch this. And got you your own mic. Look, there you can hold it. Hold it. Let's come in close. Ha ha! So, you're from Kansas. We have the Kansas. Yes. For the longest time, we were calling you the Kansas Cowboy. It's, it's just Matt. Look at you. You didn't shave. Look at his face with her. <laughs> uh, so, he's the woodsman. He's not the woodsman. Man. Yes. Not turned tin man. Yes. And I'm wearing a flannel. You are, yeah. Look at me. Mm -hmm. Go. And you're wearing kind of like a woodsman hat. I got a white hat. With a pair. I got my silver so, hat on. So, so where is this going? What are your thoughts? Did you listen to any of what we had to say? And you, Lee already told you all about it. Yeah, we were talking earlier. Right. What are your thoughts now on it? Like, you you being from Kansas, this is a thing. Like, literally, you're out of state. You, you know, people well, are like, just, oh, you're from Kansas, Wizard of Oz. And they've never told you any of this. Well, it's just, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like he's really depicting exactly what was going on and is still going on. And then, still. you know, it's sort of like, you know, if someone writes a book about the jab and the thing. And, Bingo. And, and then it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's like a really critical, you know, part of, you know. The lingo that you need to know. Right. It's like if you're reading a map, you need to go to the little legend and you see like yeah. this symbol means this and you can find things and you yeah. can navigate. Right, but, right. but if they like wipe that out and they just <laughs> or they make it up and they're like, we're going to put a bunch of new symbols in there. Right. right. So then everyone's lost and they don't know. We won't know anything about navigate. a vaccine. Like if they rewrite the history in the in the future and they made yeah. a thing about it, nothing about the vaccine. They're going to try there. to do that, I bet. 
Nothing about the vaccine. Well, they change it to something else. Well, what's the point of having like Kansas Day and like I don't know, like you're I don't know you're in Kansas in schools and they're teaching all this like nonsense about Kansas history and you don't learn anything. <laughs> you yeah. didn't learn that you guys were part of the great populist vortex cyclone. Well, it just of seems the like eighteen hundreds. Well, it just seems like you know obviously you know God's moving, but you know from kind of an outward like natural look at things you know, apart from God or whatever, yeah. I mean, you know, when Kansas fell, the nation fell because it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like within a war, it's a war within a war in the uh, Civil War mm -hmm. because you had like the whole like Kansas versus Missouri and, you know, the Missourians are going into Kansas with Quantrill's Raiders and, you know, I mean, like everyone knows about, I don't follow sports, but, you know, you have the Kansas Jayhawks, and they're always one of the national basketball teams. Like, yeah. they're, they're one of the top teams in the nation, whatever, you know, and the guy that invented basketball is their coach and all that. But, you know, it's like the Jayhawkers, they were the conservative, whatever, the MAGA-type people at the time. They were against slavery, you know, and that was kind of the foundation. It's not like, oh, it's just a woke university, you know, preaching nonsense. Mm -hmm. Like, these are people that were coming against the the slave state of Missouri, and it was just an all-out war between them right. back in the day, and all this chaos is going on, and then you have all this chaos going on with the financial system, you know, and going off of the gold, well, you say gold standard, it's just like people using gold and silver coins. Right. We'll need, like, some sort of, like, paper-backed gold system. Yeah, it's I'm, re I'm redoing the lingo in my brain. Because the gold standard needs to be the bi-metallic bi standard. Yes. And uh, they went even farther away from sound money. Right. When they went off the gold standard. And even, if, and even if you don't know the lingo, it's just gold and silver coins in the hands of the people and they're actually used. And, right. And that's so simple. Yeah. I mean, it's really simple. We don't need some sort of s system where it's like it's gold back this, this and that. And, you know, it's something that people tribe right. and just came up with right yeah no it, it, you you and I were going to the story and then what did you think when I said to you um so what is the abbreviation for ounce well I mean it's just it, and literally to, to get to lose that you just lose the whole point of the whole show I mean to me like that yeah the Hollywood they were somewhat going off of uh you know, the book, like you can't change the book to, you know, make it's it. not Oz, it's Ounce. You know, like they were taking away from the message of gold and silver, but you can't, I guess, you know, you don't want to like add to the book and make it like even more extreme. Right. I guess they want to, you want to be accurate to it. But I mean, you could make it more like, you know, some sort of Hunger Games, right. you know, uh, Lord of the Rings, Narnia, something like that, where it's, where, it's a deep, it, where it's a deep message and you see what's happening. Yeah. yeah you know, exactly. because you take all that away and it's like it, a bunch of people skipping down a silly road and like, what's the point? And like yeah. the shoes and all that. It just seems like a bunch of nonsense. It's written for adults. It's not written for children. But if you don't yeah. know like what the point is. So right. here's my question though. If the people that read it at the time who were, who knew what was going on, let's say the awake people at the time, mm -hmm. would they have known what he was talking about? 
I'm sure some of them picked up, but he was known satirist. He was known See, to come trick on, people. man. And he was not, and so some people think that he was writing what he saw, but he wasn't invested in it mm. himself. Okay. He was writing what he saw. Mm. So it, and he got really rich off of it. So capitalism, woo! Whoa! Yeah, crony capitalism. I'll take some of that. But yeah, why learn all this stuff if, you know, you're not going to learn the point of it all? Right. Exactly. It's, it's like in public school. It's like they they force feeds you to learn a bunch of numbers and facts. And, you know, on this date, this person did this, but this person, I mean, without having God in the situation. Yeah. And without really teaching decent, you know, godly values and mm -hmm. a, just a basis of things. Like, I get it. Like, in some of these Christian movies, like, oh, we got to, at this university or this, you know, public school, we got to teach both sides. We got to teach, mm -hmm. you know, Darwinism but they're and not evolution. Teaching both sides. And we got to teach, they're you know, their side. Like, it's impossible like, to teach both. Like 10 seconds of creation. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, let's not waste that much time on something that's not real. That's yeah, good. You know, it's like you go to college and they teach like all this junk about like this monetary theory and this economic theory and like it's just mind numbing of just like month after month of them putting like all these charts and graphs and you see the little lines going zigzagging back and forth the supply and demand and aggregate How? supply and demand and these curves and it's like you know like you posted something the other day or you had a show and you talked about like Keynesian economics yes, and, and like, yes I don't remember like a whole lot of it but I mean it's just absolute trash it's not money it's all it's all about it's, like it's why alchemy. why learn stuff that's that doesn't make any sense there's no point to it like you know just going back to this gold and silver coin just keep it simple keep it simple stupid and you don't have to learn about all this inflation and and all this stuff they, if you just use the proper <laughs> how many of you are dreading doing your taxes this year commerce and exchange then Not you don't necessary. have to think about it anymore let's yeah. just eliminate the problem right yeah you know so in the, kind of the moral, why deal with the, any of that to begin with right kind of the moral of the story i see william jennings bryan running for president three times uh, um james garfield james garfield being assassinated he was going to take him on we got garfield assassinated and mckinley people would be going killing you know what a lot of presidents been killed well mckinley was assassinated by the workers who were yeah. upset that he was um i'm just saying so this is not how we deal with well, these children i think there's a moral to the story and something that we can apply to today and it, and it switches into 2024 right now okay because the people thought and the populace thought that they could put all their eggs in the basket of mm -hmm. of Williams, um, Jennings, Bryan, and just he. They had a twenty twenty moment. Yeah. They had a stolen election. So sad. Okay. The 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 big bankers they stole it. Rockefeller, Carnegie, J P Morgan. They stole it. They stole it and straight straight out. Yeah. Admit they stole it. Uh, McKinley being backed by five times as much money. That <laughs> that's not like people giving money. Yeah. That was the the. The Rockefellers give hundred percent. So you have Donald Trump here as the pop, the people's populist candidate. Yeah, but he's not going to get ahead mm -hmm. because you don't do it without God. That's right. You're not going to win on the issues. William Sitting Bryant, he stumped. People came. He went to. He had five hundred stops in four, four a day. Months. Four a day. Okay, it's not going to work. We're not going to defeat these guys because they have too much witchcraft. They have too much witchcraft and only the power of God. And we have to learn from the, that history. 
We have to get back on the bimetallic bi system, yes. knowing that that's the system that they want us off of, right? And I think that this is a time that I think this is why it's coming out right now in the learn once is to learn yeah. from this situation. And, um, you know, looking at, you know, you know, Trump, I'm just going to say, guys, in in the, in the election of 1896, they lied to the Eastern workers and said, mm. if you elect William Stenning Bryan, he's going to shut down your industry. Yeah. OK, he's going to ruin the economy. Right. Basically. And it was a lie. Right. But they believed they believed the the the, the mainstream. So like, you know, Trump's a Nazi or. Exactly. Something like that. He's going to ruin things. And there's Russian collusion. So Carrie in the chat says, L. Frank Baum's grandson, Roger, was a banker and a stockbroker and wrote children's books also. Uh, Jim in the chat says, I so heartily agree. If Brian had been elected president, this country would have gone in a much better godly direction. Yes, gold for buying houses and maybe horses or cars, silver for buying food and daily things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris says, praying for the Founders Bible to open Trump's heart to the true power of walking with the Lord. Um, she also says, um, somebody says, Leah, you're a wizard in your ability to do a deep dive into real history that goes unnoticed by most people. Thank you for your insight into the truth, which serves to enlighten so many of us. That, that to James. me is like a million dollar comment. Thank you. That's James. Thank you, James. I never thought of the connection of ounce connection. It went over my head. And yet it is so refreshing to hear the whole truth after having been lied to by teachers my whole life. Speaking of which, I want to read a comment here from uh, Chris379, not a comment, but uh, an email that was sent. Uh, Chris in the chat says, Happy New Year. Happy anniversary, too. Thanks for seven years of amazing ministry. I can only imagine how much more my life would be different if I had found your work before the East Palestine disaster in Mm. less than a year. It feels like everything is different. For me, life is completely different because I was struggling to survive, believing the world was being shattered wow. and to, uh, shattered to usher in the unscriptural end times theories. Wow. Uh, the last days were so ingrained from teachings throughout my whole life that before <laughs> Revelation Red Pill, I had not even questioned that it was not biblical. Revelation Red Pill 41, which was last week, was my favorite lesson so far because now I have understanding and actual scriptures that show the truth of the way that Jesus alone fulfills all the messianic Uh. prophecies of the Old Testament and that of the increase of his government, there will be no end. You have opened my eyes to the gospel of the kingdom and now I am living for Jesus with purpose and dedication to bringing his light and love into the everlasting kingdom of God that has has been and is continually growing like a mustard seed here and now. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Chris. That's That's awesome. awesome. So, Matt, um, what are your thoughts? And and do you see? Oh, go ahead. Well, just to go back to the whole, like, you know, Wizard of Oz, Kansas thing. It's like, you know, if you got to. Are you good? Is there something going on here? No, what? I'm trying to I'm trying to pick up on your signal. There's no signal. There's this earbud hanging, hanging. It's just dangling. It's like baseball. You know, it's the third base coach or the first base coach. So they like. Telling me I'm to swing away, I might have like hit a bloop single, yeah, no. drag bunt. It you was, know, what does that mean? What's a drag bunt? <laughs> that means, well, when oh, this is like a total side trail, <laughs> that's a you know, if you can run pretty fast, then you know, especially like in the old days, like in the 50s and stuff, like the pitch would come and they'd kind of they're walking into the forward in the batter's box and they like. Tat, they kind of move their bat out and they bunk the ball and they drop the ball far enough away from the catcher that he can't get to it fast. But, you know, the pitcher can't get it either. And they just kind of okay. shoot it like down the line a little bit and they just run to the base. Okay. We're, we're at the moral of the story here. The, okay. We'll get it, mom. The, the red pill man 
the point is just that if you're in, now getting back to the topic <laughs> at hand, when you're in public school, you think that, well, you got to be salt and light and all this and bring the gospel to them. But I mean, just in the small things, they're filling you up with fake news. It's like, you know, for like Kansas Day and stuff, they teach kids about Kansas history and all that. Well, they're not telling us that like, they're telling us pretty much that like, oh, William Allen White, like he's this great Kansan, markets for a newspaper in uh, Emporia and all this stuff. And well, they're not telling us like, he's fake news. Like he's like the the he fake wrote news an guys article of said today. what's wrong with Kansans he, he's, and he's the like, populist movement in the he's Kansas. like CNN he's he like literally was your yeah he's like CNN and you know the Clinton Tom News Brokaw. Network and Tom all the, Brokaw you're Tom Brokaw yeah the Tom Brokaw or the Walter Cronkite whoever like just giving out fake news about everything I mean yeah. they don't they're they're just leading you astray in like everything yeah. Just like little things here or there, you take God out and you lose the point of but everything. But he's touted as one of the greats of Kansas. But mm -hmm. yeah, like people in Kansas, like me, like I never really watched the movie all that much because you hear so much about it all the time. You just get kind of sick of hearing about it. Yeah. But if you, it, you want to read the book now? But if <laughs> but if they're not telling the whole point of it, then mm -hmm. why, the book. why talk about it all the time? So Patriot, like, like, like there's that gas station on the Kansas Turnpike when you're going through, like most people do, they're just sailing along at 70, 80 miles an hour trying to get to wherever their destination is, you know, some are more exciting, but you know, like that gas station in the middle of nowhere, it's like the whole gas station. The theme is like. Sort of like this Wizard of Oz of type thing. Of course it thing is. Why not? Like, it's Kansas. With like sunflowers and all We've this like Kansas stuff everywhere. It's but great. And it should be about silver. Well, how come they're not telling people the basic truth of it? It should things? be about silver. So Patrick Gallagher says, the moral of the story, we the people have the power from God to use gold and silver coins and not use their counterfeited money. God has given us the power to make wealth. Rome fell because people obeyed God and refused to use Caesar's counterfeited money. Yeah, That's good, and, and and it's it it begs the question: How come we don't really know that people used to take silver into the U.S. Mint and say, "Make me a coin," and they made that yeah. illegal? Yeah, that's how they demonetized silver. Silver was still in circulation. You by know the what way. I find? You silver know was still in circulation, though? but you could not take it and take your own silver and yeah. go make make money from it. You know I, what it reminds me of is um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. There was that golden ticket in there. Yeah. I think that there's a lot more reference to gold and silver in the past than mm -hmm. we understand. Yeah. So, Matt, who we're not calling Kansas Cowboy anymore. Well, even like what we were saying last night, like, you know, even in that silly cartoon, like, you know, we're about Jesus, not necessarily about Santa per se, but it's like, you know, it's part of the Christmas season, whatever. Sure. But it's like that Christmas special at like the North Pole and you have like the the misfit toys and the elves and the one guy wants to be a dentist and whatever. I'm you, you know, a dentist. It's, it's like, yeah, that was from the early sixties. <laughs> and, you know, even in that show, they have that, you know, Yukon Cornelius that like, yeah, the, the lumberjack the guy, guy. I feel he's I'm a so minor. dressed. He's, oh, he was a he's minor? A minor because he had a, oh, he had a right. pickaxe and he's looking no, for silver right. and gold. Oh, you're, you're right. That's right. Oh, you're right. Silver and gold. Yeah. He's not like, yeah, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Like, is that where the song comes to? We're going to rinse. Is that gonna, in the film? Yeah. 
Oh, for our lives. That's a, or no. Is that from the what, other movie? What's, what's the name of that guy? Yeah, for yeah, lives. lives is right. Comes in with Frosty. The, he comes in with the big snow. Walking up. Boop, 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 belly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's not trying to come up with some sort of scheme where he can produce products that are junky and they'll fall them. apart and make people sick. But, yeah. but hey, people will be dependent on me and I'll make a ton of money or I'm going to find a big pile of cash or you know, crypto or something Yeah, in the snow out there. So Jim says, and I like this, we might have to go to gold and silver on our own and not wait for the government to catch I up to us. I think you're right. 100%. So, Matt, Matthew, David, would you like to pray? Wait, no, we want to tell people where they can go. Oh, get, oh okay. Yeah. Before we get spiritual, here's, here's, let's see if we can pull this up. Oh, I'm going to have to re-add it. If okay, I do so, this, it might go. It no, uh, it's, I can't. Okay. I, again, I don't know what's going on with this. So you can you can go to ITM Trading. Michelle yes. can put it in the chat. Uh, we encourage you guys to go to ITM Trading. Why? Because they can help you create a free strategy call. Just give them a call. It's a free call. Yes. Um, we're doing it ourselves. We're not. Ta- Here's the thing. Oh, Leah, Michelle. Look at if this. I'm telling you to buy this silver came. and gold and put your wealth into gold from ITM and, Trading, and trading in silver. Whoop, that's what I'm telling you is. to do. That's what we need to all do. 1907. Okay, I'm very excited about this. I've never, I've never had anything like this in my entire life. I feel incredibly shields. Of con- I feel like I'm holding a piece of the of Constitution. Financial peace and protection. I feel like I'm holding a piece of the Constitution. I don't think forever it should made be in metal, this plastic thing. I think it should actually not, be used. Not paper, but, plastic. Yeah. Or crypto, fake numbers on the screen or something. Yeah, and so give them a call. Tell them you need to tell them Leah Michelle sent no, you. No, because we have a special number. They'll just know. Nine five zero seven 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 six, or just go to learn.itmtrading.com forward slash chicks. And you guys, I also would be reminisced not to tell you about Vicky Natalie's um, OBE. I, I'm going to tell you guys. So remember how I was complaining of not having it for like three weeks and I was like, oh, I'm getting all like wrinkly and stuff. So I've been using it for what? The past two and a half, two weeks, something like that. Yeah. So the wrinkles are gone. Okay. I, mean, I don't care. I don't care. I'm giving her my money. Okay. <laughs> And you know who uses it? Who? Um, Laura Trump. Laura Trump, yeah. Laura Trump uses it. I know. You want to look like Laura Trump? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not a money back guarantee. Right. But. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but she uses it. And, and I can guarantee you she's not going to use something that doesn't work. Okay. That's something. It's all organic. It's the, natural. The flawless face here. But, but the other thing that is for everyone, and this is really, really important, is the CBD tinctures. Yeah. Because if you have any kind of aches and pains and whatnot going on, like I have, I have had in the past, and the only thing the only outside thing of my worked, new chiropractor, when my back went out, the only thing that worked was the was CBD the CBD tincture yeah, from her, well and it's all it. organic, and you get ten percent off now. And she it used to be five. It. It used to be five percent. Now it's ten percent with promo code RC. Yeah, promo cool. code and RC. It's, 10%. And it's not just people because we've had the, the quite pets. a few people that have used it on their dogs, yes, and, and cats, and all kinds. If your of dogs things. are arthritic, yeah, yes. Yeah, definitely. it helped our dogs. Now it wasn't. We didn't use this version, but the CBD tincture that we did have did work. And so I can only imagine because it's, hers well, for human works. This is way better. It's because yeah. it's organic. It's it's sort of like the really good essential oils, but yeah, versus it is. The, versus she only uses the, the very good essential oils. We're kind of using the off-brand version. That's yeah. sort of like instead of like the good essential oils, yeah. it's like the ones mm-hmm. that the are just sort of like some sort of carrier oil, like you know someone's used motor oil from yeah. their old pickup, and, and it does smell like that and a they put bit, a little. Nice smell on top of it. All right, so you guys can join us live in person. Oh my gosh, the Dan Patch revival. And I'm hoping I can pull this up. 
Let's see if our screen share will switch here. In Oxford, Indiana on Saturday the 13th. Yes. Uh, we want you to join us. Scott and, or um, Tag and Becky yes. have opened up their home. Um, the address is 302 West Plum Street, Oxford, Indiana. Did you put up the hotels? Where I, there's only one that they actually okay. gave me, but I did put it on the website. If you go to resistancechicks.com. Indiana. And click on the banner in the upper right-hand corner that says Dan Patch Revival. There's all the details. Um, we are having, we people are coming from all over. Now, I can't announce this officially or anything like that, mm -hmm. but there is possibly going to be a sister event going on in Oregon at the Barn Church. For Scott's for birthday. For Scott's birthday bash. Barn Speaking of which. Church birthday Bard's bash. Bard's Barn Church birthday bash. We're trying to convince Scott to do. Yeah. So, so it, if you can't make it to that, that is not official yet. Okay, send him a card, a birthday card. Um, in the past several episodes, I have put the P.O. Box address in our shows, and I will try to remember to do that in tonight's show. So you can send him a card. His birthday is January 11th. Mm -hmm. He's turning 59, the big 5'9". Wow. He's, he's not the big 6'0", so we'll wait. Next year will be the si big 6'0". Okay. okay, so it's the big 5'9". And uh, so, so send Scott a card. And you know what? Here's the thing. Scott went on air and asked everybody to send me a birthday card. If mm -hmm. you do not watch Scott Kesterson mm -hmm. and you're a Resistance Chicks viewer, maybe still send him a card. Yeah. But I got a ton of cards from Bards Nation viewers. Yeah, so awesome. I would love for Scott to get cards from Resistance Chicks family people mm -hmm. that say, you know what? We're Resistance we Chicks family and you. we appreciate you. And he's part of the body of Christ. So it's like I can run into a Christian in Russia or China or something. I don't know them personally. And if they have some sort of like, you know, platform or back in the day of extreme communism, like in Russia, like they could have some sort of underground method of, you know, yeah, bringing people up in the Lord and training them up and stuff. But yes, I can. I know who they are because they're following the same Savior. And I have, have a, have a, I have a question for you people. Okay. It has nothing to do with anything. Well, but first let me finish the revival. One more thing. Okay. There are a ton of people that are planning on coming from Bard's Nation mm -hmm. to this revival, which yeah. I'm really, really excited. Coming from across the nation to Indiana. Mm -hmm. It's a very significant night. If you need a touch of God, if you need a move of God, if you want the power of God, you want to be there. Mm -hmm. Okay? We're going to have food. It's going to be amazing. So I want to encourage you guys to come to the Dan Patch Revival you will, I can promise you this, your life will not be the same after you Absolutely. leave. Okay, now what? Well, that was super spiritual. I just had a question since I got an audience. So um, we had a trash can, a really good industrial trash can oh, that Leah. we put out at, this, at the curb for like 10, 12 years. And they, they kind of broke it. And they wouldn't pick up our trash today. So we went looking for a trash can, a 96-gallon one, the big ones. And it seems like the ones at Home Depot or Lowe's are pretty cheap. So if you have a bead on a good one, like the like you have to, because you have oh to rent gosh, them, right? So we don't want to rent one. I just want to buy one straight for out. For all the things okay? going down in the annals of history, from Rumkey Trash, yes, you have to you have to rent it for like ten dollars a month. I'm like, I just want to buy it. Okay, just tell me where I can buy one. If you guys have a bead on where you guys can get a good trash can, let me know. Okay, I want to know. Give me some of your reviews and, and put it in. Put it in the comment section or send me an email. And you know what? Put it in the comment section for other people. And if you have a beat, I will post some resistance chicks because we got to help each other out. <laughs> and yeah, and by the way, I was in Menards looking for a can and they didn't have one. But the guy in but the guy in there, he's talking really fast. And I'm not exactly an Ohio native, so I don't know. And I haven't, you know, run a contracting business or anything like that here. So I don't know the little the, the lingo? mom and pop shop. Oh, right. Yeah. 
locations like janitorial supply places or you know plumbing supply houses that the professional plumbers would go to not like Lowe's or Home Depot but like the guy was like like yeah I I need a can I went onto the orange store and he said it really fast and it took me a minute I'm like what orange store I'm like what 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 orange store because like another place is it looks like Noel's but it's like Knowles or something plumbing supply Remember no, the orange store. Tell the, me what the, the orange point store is. is like with the Wizard of Oz thing. It's like he's like, it's like he's working at Menards. Like, yeah, we're kind of the the green. Like, this is me. He didn't actually say this, but it's like, hello, we're the green store. The oh, orange like store. Home Depot. Yeah. Yes. So it's like if they were to make a movie of this, like the Wizard of Oz or something, <laughs> then they're like, they're like, yeah, the. <laughs> You know, the pink store. The or blue the, store the, is the, 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 the red the store. The red store. And then it loses oh, the, ha- all the whole point of the movie. Hardware. It's hardware. Like with changing yeah, the, the color of the hardware. slippers. You know, <laughs> right. it loses the whole point of the show. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> you know, okay, there's a blue store, there's an orange store, and there's a green store. Like, yeah. those are the stores I know. But yeah. if you, you know, if they totally change it up, it's like, yeah, the purple store. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And you he changed the, all the details. You'll never know it's Home Depot. Oh my no gosh. No one knows. That's true. No one would know what they're talking about. So if they ever rebrand and they get a new color, we're never going to know. What orange store? But yeah, that's what they did the in the movie. The finding pot for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord Jesus uh, tests the hearts. Proverbs uh, 17.3. Matt, will you uh, pray us out? Wait, one more thing. No, one more Tag thing. says that there are also hotels in Lafayette across the river from West Lafayette. Okay. So... Lafayette and West Lafayette. Awesome. We want to see you guys there. We really do. All right, Matt, take it away. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for bringing us here today, and we thank you for just making your truth known and just pouring out your spirit on all flesh. And we just thank you for just people just radically being saved and lives changed Mm. and to follow you. And we just thank you for your truth and that there's so many wonderful things out there for us to glean, things that you've had other people put out for us mm. like the wizard of oz and this truth and just the basics of living a life off the land with crops and animals and just like where they had a farm there at the beginning of the movie and using gold and silver coins and we just thank you for your ways are not complicated and like the world but you just work in simplicity and we thank you for just the fact that you don't change and you don't lie and you just bring us supreme just peace and stability to our lives. Mm. And we just thank you for this show today. And we just thank you for all that you're doing in the country and moving and anointing people in the government and just uh, rooting out the all the people that don't want to follow you, that aren't open to your spirit. And we just thank you for... Just uh, all that you're doing in the future, and you've anointed, and we just can't wait to be a part of it and partner with you in it, and we just thank you that we're your children, and we're also married to you, and we just thank you for just uh, drawing us nigh into you in that deep relationship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 All, All right. right, so some of you we're going to see in person in a week and a half, mm. which we're very excited about in Indiana. Cannot wait. I love, love, love that we get to do stuff like this. And big shout out to uh, Tag and Becky. Now, um, send Scott a birthday card. 
I will put the PO box in the um, the chat here, but also go and watch his interview with Pete. Oh yeah, and you can go another, right now. Go pop. Go flood. Just leave one. here. Leave here. And go live on Podbean right now and flood. Like like literally, I would love it if like lit- all of you that are watching right now because it's like 150 people watching this right now. If everybody just went to to Scott's Podbean and just flood and be like, hey, isn't that a thing that they so do? Trey wants you go uh, and bomb to for his sister to be delivered from Green Witchcraft. Oh wow. That's really good. Okay. So Father God, I just lift up uh, Joanna to you. Johanna. And I just pray that you uh, fill her with your power, fill her with your anointing. I thank you, Father God, that you are delivering her from any lies or illusions in her mind right now. And I just ask you that you uh, speak peace to her and that um, you bring um, both uh, Johanna and, and David home. And yes. I thank you, Father God, that there's going to be a blessing and um, that this family is going to be totally and completely whole. And we just rebuke and we bind Satan from attacking or any witchcraft or any illusions right now. We just rebuke that the spirit of deception over yes. her mind and over her body. And we just lose her right now. In Jesus' name Amen. we pray. Amen. Amen. And we just thank, thank you for just uh, allowing everyone to know that you are their provider. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's good. Good deal. Well, we love you. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's actually the truth, we'll see you next time right here on ResistanceChicks.com. Don't forget to join us every Friday live on Brighteon.tv at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our headline news and then our after show at 7 on Rumble and Facebook. And again, every Sunday at 1.30. It's actually 1.50, almost 1.55 consistently every week, but at least we're consistent. For our world news program where we go all around the world with this week's top news. And if you want something really fun to watch, we did a live program on New Year's Day with the one and only Scott Kesterson. So you can check that out on our Rumble channel as well. And we'll see you guys next time. Be blessed and happy new year. Bye guys. So